Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope everyone is doing exceedingly well on this Thursday evening slash night. Uh, it is uh, Thursday, May 19th, 2022, and you, my friends, are tuned in to another edition of The Sea Report, coming to you live on uh, multiple platforms, including the foxhole.app, pill.net, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Rumble. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am your host, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Gossetis, but call me as you will. And uh, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report for another night of news, views, headlines, and current events as curated by myself, Mr. C. And I hope you guys are doing great tonight. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, here we go. Here we are. We're ready to roll for another episode. We've got a full show for you guys tonight. Have no doubt we've got news from across these United States, ladies and gentlemen, that I think uh, you all will be quite interested to uh, hear about. Yes, uh, well, what do we got on the menu for tonight, ladies and gentlemen? We'll be talking about uh, a couple of election integrity issues. Uh, of course, no uh, episode of the Sea Report would be complete without some stories about election integrity. Ladies and gentlemen, I gotta say, we gotta keep it front of mind. It is, after all, the most important uh, issue slash topic slash uh, concern of this uh, century, millennium, lifetime, however you want to put it, ladies and gentlemen. I think you all are understanding the entire point driving election integrity and exposing election fraud, right? We all know now because we had to be shown, we couldn't be told exactly what type of consequences we suffer when uh, either A, uh, an election is stolen, B, uh, we um, uh, don't choose the correct candidate. But, uh, you know, I have it on good word about this race of individuals and people otherwise known as the human race, that when given the correct, right, accurate, honest information, they'll make the right choice, ladies and gentlemen. And I think, you know what, I think I'm probably not the only one who has had that good word shared with them about the human race, you know, and their decision-making abilities in the face of honest knowledge. I'm pretty sure that uh, the individuals who have been trying, attempting to, and working towards uh, taking over every nation and every person in that nation on this planet uh, to whatever end they might uh, desire that to reach. I'm pretty sure that they are aware of that also. And uh, that, that might have something to do why they um, uh, just shell out so much misinformation, so much disinformation, so many lies, so much gaslighting, and so many half-truths, untruths, and totally omitted truths. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you could agree with me on that one. They have to work 
double time. They have to work extra hard. I mean, after all, before they even began to lie, and don't get me wrong, I know I know they started with the lies just to get the gullible, right? Uh, but they had to make sure they shut down all of our systems of, uh, of recognition. That's right. They had to shut down our sixth sense. They had to shut down our gut feeling. They had to shut down everything about us that allowed us to see without eyes and to feel without feeling but feeling whether or not the information that they were sharing with us was true, honest, accurate, or a lie, deception, and untruth. So I, I think it's it's good I think it's safe to say that we humans have given these individuals a run for their money. I mean, after all, they had to take it, uh, how would you say? They had to take the long game in order to get this far, guys. I mean, if it were really so easy. If it were, were really so easy, like, I don't know, back in the days of, uh, of the Dark Ages, right? Rule under king or emperor, right? Or if it were, if it were really easy, like uh, back in the days of, I don't know, uh, uh, theocracy, right? Where you could just say, well, God said so, and God appointed me the leader, right? Now, we're not knocking religion or spiritual belief, but uh, I hope my audience has come to realize that uh, religion has definitely been a tool of control. Is it a tool of control today? I'd say that's a 50-50, guys, but we're not here to get into a philosophical or theocratic type of debate or even a soapbox, but 50-50, uh, right? Because I think actually uh, one's spiritual beliefs um, has actually released them from the bonds and the chains of captivity by those whom are trying to take over this world. But ladies and gentlemen, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, 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 we have given them a run for their money in this time and be, I mean, otherwise they would have just done it a long time ago, don't you think? I think they would have done it a long time ago. And uh, here we are now, ladies and gentlemen, at the precipice, right? We are at the mount overlooking the vast valley of freedoms and liberties that are to be set before us, those which are given to us, those which are granted to us, those which are privileged to us by birth and by God, ladies and gentlemen, to us to have. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, yes, we are here, uh, but we are not finished yet, and neither are they. And uh, quite frankly, to be quite frank, to be frank, that is why we must carry on strong in our beliefs, correct? Yes, but also, also with a determination and a tenacity not to give up, not to relent, and not to give out in the face of their opposition. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we can do it. We've come much farther than we have ever come at any point in this human existence, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, welcome, welcome, welcome on in back into another edition of the Sea Report. Like I said, we'll be talking about some election integrity matters, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk a little bit actually about the state of Oregon has been on my mind since their primaries. Uh, the state of Oregon has been on my mind, you know, uh, because when I went and I looked back and I reflected upon that primary race, uh, you know, 
it came to my attention that uh, President Donald Trump did not endorse one single America First candidate in that state. And that got me worried, you know. And then I got to uh, talking with uh, one of our friends from over at the Foxhole, uh, whom I did not realize actually lived in the state of Oregon. And uh, they were telling me all about, you know, some of the things that they're dealing with over there, let alone some of the reports that I share here on the Sea Report about the state of their legislative house and the state of existence for all those um, um, that uh, the constituents are dealing with. Uh, it's a pretty dire situation. So we're going to talk a little bit about Oregon tonight. We'll focus a little bit on that state. A hey, Sergeant Sparky, you know I'm talking about you, right? And the missus. <laughs> uh, we'll look a little bit into Michigan. We got some interesting developments happening in Michigan. Of course, uh, Michigan wouldn't be Michigan if it didn't give us a story to talk about, right? With all the wretched Gretchenness of that state. A little bit about Arizona, kind of like a rhino focus there. And then we're going to actually jump into some topics that are just way off center for elections, at least for us over here at uh, the Sea Report. Uh, what, what, do we, what do we got? Just as, just as a way to kind of wet your whistle, to kind of uh, get you a little bit um, um, in the mood for some of the stories. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, this entity that exists over in the Atlantic states called the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Have any of you guys heard about the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative? I'm willing to bet that there are some people in my audience that are suffering from the effects of the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Something that wasn't really brought to my attention, even though in his gubernatorial bid, you know, uh, Glenn Youngkin did mention the Greenhouse Gas Initiative. We just didn't really quite pay attention to it. It didn't ring out clearly until uh, it must have been uh, it must have been Doug Mastriano, right? Primary champion contender for the GOP in the uh, Pennsylvania midterm election for governor. Uh, who brought who brought that back to the surface? And when he said what he said about it, I was kind of like, "What is this greenhouse gas initiative?" Regionally speaking, over there in the mid Atlantic states, ladies and gentlemen, what is this? It seems like we have uh, it seems like we have a regional type of Paris Accord existing in our country. So I decided to kind of suss that out, ladies and gentlemen, and dig a little bit into it. So we'll be talking about that tonight. If you live anywhere in on the Atlantic coast, on the eastern seaboard of these United States of America, you might be interested, although I'm pretty sure your wallet, your pocketbook, your purse has already kind of felt the pinch that this initiative has uh, sated, satiated itself upon you, ladies and gentlemen. And we got some other news stories for you guys today. You know, I think uh, probably uh, one of one of the bigger things, and obviously, well, we're not going to cover it. Well, we're going to cover it right now, I guess, right? Before we jump into our President Trump statements and before we get into the meat of our story. Uh, I, I mean, come on, guys. How many of you guys honestly called your state senators and told them that you do not agree with sending a $40 billion package over to the Nazis in Ukraine? 
Come on, right? Because I'm willing to bet everyone in my audience did, right? We, we, uh, we threw up the capital switchboard number on our screen like we normally do whenever it's time to make that phone call, right? There it is, guys. Capital switchboard number. Let me talk to my state senators, whomever they might be. I'm, I'm very disheartened, very disheartened by the fact that uh, both Texas senators agreed to this uh, package. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm actually not in the slightest surprised that Senator John Cornyn, you know, the guy who brought uh, Juneteenth as a national holiday here in these United States of America, uh, which would have effectively ended the 4th of July if the leftist progressive Marxists had their way, you know, if they had their way, that, that was the whole point of it. We're going to put in Juneteenth, which incidentally is actually also President Trump's birthday. <laughs> Go figure on that one. I don't know about that one, guys, but go figure. But Juneteenth, guys, was something that was only ever acknowledged in Austin, Texas, right? I mean, coming from 90 miles south of Austin, when I was there and it was like mid-June and all of a sudden downtown was just overcome by basketballers, thugsters, rappers, hip-hoppers, beboppers, and otherwise black people. I was like, what the heck is going on here? You know, I mean, not that it's like, not that I'm like, ooh, black people. I'm just like, what is going on here? And uh, why has the night become that much darker? And you know what? It wasn't because they're black. It's because there were people everywhere, okay? And uh, they were running up and down the streets, etc. Well, you know, because of Senator John Cornyn who is trying to initiate a, a rebirth of these United States of America and its total origin by erasing the 4th of July and erasing landing on Plymouth Rock by succumbing and going along with and being complicit to things like the 1619 Project and systemic racism and, uh, you know, Marxist ideals of, uh, of uh, racial division in this country. Senator John Cornyn! the longest-running senator in the state of Texas, who needs to go, not to mention he takes a lot of money from big corporations, big finance, and uh, has a lot of his, uh, his feelers lodged into those coffers. Yeah, well, it's no surprise to me that this man voted to uh, send $40 billion of our hard-working tax-paying money, not to mention our own, but also those of our children and our grandchildren and uh, most likely their grandchildren, all to support some Nazis, right? A Nazi-infiltrated, globalist-backed, corrupt country known as Ukraine. And uh, let the record reflect that Senator Ted Cruz also agreed to this package Okay, I told you guys, as we get closer to the truth, as we get closer to restoring our republic, we're going to see some funny things that don't quite exactly hit home in our hearts. And it's going to make us wonder, if not but for a second, what's going on here and why would he do that or she do that after uh, everything that they've said and everything that they've accomplished in regards to making America first. Take note, ladies and gentlemen, there was but a handful of senators 
that objected to sending $40 to that Nazi-infested corrupt country known as Ukraine. So yes, Senator Ted Cruz, we are going to take note. Senator Cornyn, we've already taken note. We know your number. We know you got to go. But Ted Cruz, whom was, let's face it, and I used to say this back uh, before Ted Cruz was uh, so strongly and proudfully standing for America First ideals, was a globalist. And I was getting attacked by you, the patriots. You should leave Ted Cruz alone. How dare you say his spurs don't jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> I'm like, but he's Canadian. Of course his spurs don't jingle, jingle, jingle. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's great when they stand up for us when they do. You know, it's great when they stand up for us when they do. But we cannot forget. And I guess it's easier to remember when they start to crack again under the pressure. You know, when they start to crack again under the pressure. Uh, we could have guessed the House of Representatives would not have agreed to any of their constituents' concerns about sending that type of money. And now what are we up to in Ukraine? They say tens of billions. I'm thinking like hundreds of billions of dollars have gone over to Ukraine since Putin started his military operation. We're not even talking about before that. I mean, when they say Obama was sending blankets and pillows and, uh, and uh, uh, chest cabinets, they were probably talking about children, right? But when we're talking about any time after that, I mean, even President Trump sent them weapons, okay? Now, could we really question President Trump for sending Ukraine weapons? I mean, you know what? Not that it was a past administration, so we're not going to hold them accountable, but uh, we have yet to see and or know exactly how President Trump would have handled the situation in Ukraine other than the uh, one clue we get, which is Putin never would have done that if I were in office. And that's really all we can live by, ladies and gentlemen, as far as that goes, as far as that's concerned. Uh, so I guess I have nothing else to say about that. But if you want to give some brownie points to the senators who voted against the $40 billion taxpayer money package to Ukraine, uh, you could uh, give a slap on the back to some of these people. Uh, uh, Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. You know, I, I would you know, I would maybe I would maybe say I would maybe do this. Good job, Marsha. And maybe a fist bump. But other than that, I mean, Marsha voted to certify an illegitimate president. Uh, Representative Boozman of Arkansas. Again, maybe an elbow tap, right? Because after all, this guy did say on camera twice that uh, there was no legal recourse to decertification uh, in uh, the 2020 election. Uh, um, Senator Braun of Indiana, don't know much about him. Uh, Senator Mike Crapo, I, I told you guys, his name was Crapo. <laughs> I just couldn't remember his first, but Mike Crapo of Idaho, who just won his primary election, the, uh, the only, I think, he, no, no, he wasn't the only one, but he was also endorsed by President Trump, Senator Haggerty of Tennessee, uh, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, right? We're actually going to talk about Josh Hawley today in the report as he is uh, 
taking it to uh, woke Disney. Yeah, good news here. A story I've been wanting to share with you guys for over a week, but uh, I guess we'll have some time to talk about it today. Senator Mike Lee from Utah, um, tried and true. Senator Loomis of Wyoming. Senator Marshall of Kansas. Senator Paul, that is Rand Paul. Of course, everyone knows that Rand Paul made a big stink and kind of, uh, I don't know, threw the doo-doo in the uh, lunch bowl, the, the punch bowl there, guys, for those who wanted to vote for Ukraine. Kind of woke everyone up about it, right? Because uh, here we had, uh, you know, uh, both houses of our uh, legislature passing all of this money to Ukraine. And, you know, before the Americans realized it, uh, you know, Biden's like, we're sending more money to my buddies in Ukraine just so it can be funneled back to the Democrat Party. And we're like, wait, 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 who said you could do that, right? And then, uh, you know, Brand Paul sounded the alarm this time uh, and uh, definitely uh, brought some attention to this matter. And then finally, uh, Senator Tuberville of Alabama. So those are the only 11 Republican GOP senators in the House upper level that voted against this $40 billion package. Every other single senator. Let's see, what senators are on that list that we would not have expected? Ted Cruz, right? Exactly, guys. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So it's terrible, 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 terrible. They will not be forgiven for this. They're supporting Nazis. When are they going to figure out that we figured that out, ladies and gentlemen? And I'm talking about, I'm talking about the conservatives awake Americans out there. Obviously, I'm not talking about the liberals. Uh, because after all, the liberals have known about the Nazis since 2014. Because all of their choice publications were spilling the beans. And that, what, look, now they've got their foot in their mouth. I hope that foot tastes like a pile of beans. Because they spilt it, ladies and gentlemen, a long time ago. Thanks to them, outfits like mine are aware of it. Hmm. Go figure, right? Well, I guess that's kind of just a kind of way to open up today's show. I'm glad you guys are hanging out with us. Aurelius Locke, um, Rail, Anon, thank you for the 117 gold pills. Dpatriot, 1776, thank you for the cookie. I narrowly saw that donation before it slipped off my screen. We also got 123SKG in the house. Good evening. And uh, I, th I think I saw you pass uh, some gold pills this way, 123SKG, also. So thank you for that. Uh, let's see, uh, it looks like 123SKG uh, is saying at Timberjet at uh, Mr. C, uh, MRCTV is, oh yes, he is. hey Timberjet, what's going on? Uh, I'm guessing Timberjet was asking about my truth social status. Yes, indeed. To all audiences concerned, if you have a truth social account, by all means, do join us or join me actually at truth social. Um, my, uh, my handle there is at MRCTV. And that is, of course, for all of my um, iOS-initiated um, audience out there. And yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually sending love to my Android users. If you have a gab, I'm at mr underscore m uh, mr underscore ctv. Excuse me, mr underscore ctv. So uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good at keeping up on those guys. Doing pretty good. Hey, Java, what's going on? Good to see you. Sergeant Sparky, I said hello. 
Uh, D Patriot seventeen seventy six says everywhere except Getter. I'm D Patriot. Oh, telling her handle out there. Underscore seventeen seventy six at Getter. Who else is in the house tonight? Uh, let's see. We saw Timbajet. We saw um, uh, Sergeant Sparky. Maga Maga Q Mama. What's going on? Us two. It was me. Oregon is a mess. Maga Q, is that you, Cat Q Patriot? Good to see you. I've got Cat Q Patriot. Apparently, that's Maga Q Mama (laughs) over there. Uh, Got her on. I got her on my socials. Uh, Let's see. What do I got you on? Truth Social and Instagram. Now I got you on the Foxhole. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Glad to see you. Let's see, uh, Java says, I remember when Portland was actually cool, like 16 years ago. Yeah, now in Portland, uh, you know, they absolutely, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, we have to say Portland, right? It's not the state of Oregon. It's the state of Portland that is in such a mess. <laughs> where they, uh, where they're, they're, they're what? They, they turn the cheek to pedophilia and they encourage drug use. And isn't it legal? over there to like, uh, you know, be a meth user and, and shoot heroin and stuff like that. Isn't, isn't that not like decriminalized in Portland or am I thinking of Washington, Seattle? One of those two left coast, uh, cities, uh, it's, it's decriminalized. You can, you can shoot up all you want. You can get as high as you want. And if you happen to rape a child, well, chances are that the district attorney there will let you off easy right? Just like D.A. Gascon over in uh, California, whom I've heard about letting pedophiles and uh, uh, drug abuser, well, not drug abuse, drug dealers, killers, whatever, off the hook, pretty easy, pretty bad, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty bad, pretty bad indeed. Let's see here. Uh, What else do we got going on? What is going on with my chat here? Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Timbajet has a really fun squeegee. <laughs> Tracy Lee 555. Welcome back, Tracy Lee. I have not seen you in some amount of time, but welcome back. As always, good to see you again. Crapo is indeed ripe with jokes, Java, right? It'd be much easier if he were a never Trumper or a make America last kind of individual, but he's on our side for the time being, at least, you know, at least until, uh, I don't know. Well, we'll keep our faith. We'll maintain our faith and keep our hope, right? That these people are who they say they are. Uh, and, uh, that they don't reveal themselves to be a big old stinking pile of rhino. Like most of them end up doing eventually. What am I doing with my, okay, here we go. Uh, just want to finish off here in the chat room before we get into the rest of our show for tonight. Sean Joe, good evening. Thank you for the cookie, sir. Thank you for the cookie. As long as Crapo doesn't have shit for brains, we'll be okay. Well said, Java. <laughs> well said. Thank you for the cookie, Tracy Lee, five by five by five. FJB, indeed, says Aurelius Locke. Um, and let's see, Tam Growl, what's going on, Tam Growl, slipping in through that back door. Tam Growl, you might have noticed the room's already full. <laughs> Welcome in, sweetie. You know I have a seat saved for you up at the front. As always, as always, Java says, Mr. C, the legal drugs might be the statewide, that might be statewide in Oregon. Wow. Yeah, I just know somewhere over there, 
it's uh it is statewide skeeter burke what's going on skeeter burke skeeter burke has this message and i think this message will apply to all friends and family in the foxhole for the uh, central texas meetup actually i'm not going to give out the location because we are streaming on multiple platforms but it will be held on saturday july 9th at 2 p.m at a fine uh barbecue establishment in new braunfels awesome well awesome guys awesome guys uh, you better believe I will tr do my best to make it out there. I might be hung over. And I'm only saying that because uh, the day before is my sister's birthday. <laughs> but I will do my best to make it out there, ladies and gentlemen. Headache or not, okay? <laughs> Timbajet says, before we get into tonight's story, know this. Truth does not want to get controlled by apps, so they are native. There will be, uh, there will not be an Android app. Interesting, interesting. Well, I was not aware of that, uh, Mr. Timbajet, but I am aware that we actually do have a Truth Social announcement for tonight. And uh, I don't even know if I pulled that one up, but I know it's here. So I'll pull it up before we get there, guys. I'll pull it up. Don't you worry. Don't you worry, ladies and gentlemen. We'll absolutely get to it. Oh, you know what? One other thing by way of housekeeping before we begin. You know, social media, you know, Truth Social at MRCTV, Gab at MR underscore CTV. If you got an account there, if you have a profile, make sure you find me and locate me and follow so, uh, you know, you can uh, join in on the fun and the conversation. We, we po I post some fun stuff. Although I will say at Truth Social, they are not allowing me to post a meme with the face of Bill Cosby in it, which I'm finding quite troubling, ladies and gentlemen. But it's okay. It is what it is. It is what it is, as the, uh, as the uh, ghetto say. Uh, but nonetheless, nonetheless, um, also make sure guys, you know, uh, cause you know, you guys support us so well on the live streams, but say you miss an episode, say actually you're the kind of person that prefers to take these types of shows on the go and in your ears. I'm talking about the podcast. We absolutely do have a podcast rendition of the C report. You can listen to this very episode on podcast in what I'm told is much higher audio quality, um, over at, uh, anchor.fm slash the C report. You can find the C report on any major podcasting channel. That is right. We are available over at what? Uh, Apple podcasts over at go ogle podcasts, uh, as well as the independents including, oh, we're also at Spotify, right? I'm actually quite surprised. We haven't been removed from some of these episodes. I mean, guys, I talk about Nazis. I talk about COVID-19 vaccinations. I talk about the fake pandemic. I talk about election insecurity and fraud. And yet these guys still seem to, uh, don't, they seem to not mind me, uh, inhabiting their, uh, neck of the woods. I would guess it's probably because, you know, I'm still a very humble audience, right? You know, I still have a very, very humbly sized audience, which is fine by me. As long as the word gets out, but anchor.fm slash the C report. And uh, you can um, uh, subscribe for free or follow for free to 
the podcast, and then that way you can get it anywhere you'd like. You know, that means if you're driving along and you want to hear an episode of The Sea Report, you don't have to struggle between focusing on the road and focusing on your telephone video screen. (laughs) You can just listen, ladies and gentlemen. So join us, why don't you, over at the podcast. All right. Okay. Let's get started. We have some Trump uh, statements to begin with. As per the usual, ladies and gentlemen, Trump leads here at the Sea Report. Uh, let me go ahead and take this off the screen. Boop. Okay, guys, there we go. And uh, well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Now, okay, so I've had to procure my President Trump statements from Truth Social because uh, for some reason... <laughs> For some reason, uh, you cannot uh, get a hold of President Trump's statements until like, I don't know, 24 hours later on any other social network. And they're definitely not appearing on his website. So, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the truth of the matter. Let's see what President Trump had to say today or what we're going to share, at least in that regard. It goes this way. Uh, The Pennsylvania Oz race is ridiculous. Uh, I will second that, President Trump. How long does it take to count votes? France, same day, all paper, had verified numbers in the evening. United States is a laughingstock on elections. Stop finding votes in Pennsylvania. Rigged? Question mark. Now, I'm actually... Guys, and I know, I know that this is this is striking a chord with a lot of you all out there in the audience. I'm actually praying that this election is rigged. And I'm talking specifically about this particular senator's race. I'm saying, guys, I really hope, I pray, I dream. I fantasize that this particular senator's race will be rigged. I want them to bring in as many unlawful ballots into this particular contest as it takes. And I want both of those rhinos to be globalist pieces of filth exposed for cheating in this election. Ah, there's an angle, right? So, you know, I asked yesterday if, say, either of these two end up um, being discovered as uh, participating in fraud, at least at the campaign level, then that means that, you know, if Oz does it, does it, McCormick wins. If McCormick wins, well, obviously Oz did it. And then both of them are proven to be frauds. Both of them, or one of them, is at least proven to be a rhino and also proves that Republicans actually do participate in this type of fraud in elections. But imagine if if both of them get discovered, then who does that then seed the race to? Hmm. Right, ladies and gentlemen? Now, of course, Tracy Lee 555 says, and I agree with, it's all rigged. I mean, up to this point, we have no way to doubt that because after all, the, the uh, 2020 election fraud has not been dealt with and the security of our elections has not been fastened in, in, by any means possible. Has the information come out? Yes. Has the evidence come forward? Yes. Have investigations been done? Yes. Have audits been completed? Yes. Have judiciary matters 
looked into this? No. They have thrown every case out just about. But that does not mean that there is no hope, nor does it mean that we're finished just yet, ladies and gentlemen. So yes, I would absolutely agree with you, but look, look at it from this Garland Favorito perspective. If there is massive fraud on both ends, because both of these candidates are just throwing in as many unlawful ballots as they can to beat each other. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they're both disqualified. And then that means that, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it would be Kathy Barnett, indeed, who would get the race. I don't know. I mean, I, that is extremely idealistic, extremely optimistic and, you know, uh, um, fantasy type of uh, talk there, right? I don't know anyone else who would be crazy enough to come up with that type of a uh, fifth degree chess move. But you never know. I mean, they, they often say that President Trump plays a, a game of 5D chess. When maybe, maybe he was like way down the board and said, we're going to expose both of these globalists. Uh, that is extremely wishful thinking, guys. Don't get me wrong. I know. I know. Extremely wishful that either one of these would be exposed for participating in mass election fraud. But hey, one can hope and one can dream and one can try and uh, make sense of exactly what happened in Pennsylvania as much as they want in any fashion that they desire, I would say. Let's move on to our next President Trump statement. What has he got to say here? What you got to say, President Trump? Why is it so squishy? Let's expand that. Here we go. It says, uh, take the money and run or stay. The PGA of America and the PGA Tour have been taking advantage of the players for many years not much different than charging the fans $19 for a beer. Well, let me tell you how much the pizza cost at the, Ameka, the American Freedom Tour. <laughs> $9 for a slice of pizza? At least it was a quarter of the pie is all I've got to say, ladies and gentlemen, anyways. Uh, and the players are not happy, says President Trump. The PGA has maximum tax-exempt status, makes a fortune, and pays executives' salaries higher than virtually any of the very talented players can make in a good year. LIV can change that. Backed by Saudi Arabia, just like Formula One, UFC, boxing, tennis, and almost all of the sports, unlimited amounts of money will be available for the players, charity, and likewise, the PAG will, because of this new competition, be forced to pay up, maybe even having to reduce their, ever, their very bloated salaries. It was only because of competition that the Players' Championship paid a record this year. Great going, Cam! Professional golfers should embrace LIV and just watch what happens. Much more of everything for all. Oh, it sounds like President Trump is using his um, political and social muscle to muscle the PGA out of their monopoly of, um, of greed, ladies and gentlemen, is what it sounds like. 
is what it sounds like. That's actually kind of cool. Let's see how that goes. Uh, let's see if Trump's endorsement of LIV, I'm not a sports person. I have absolutely no idea what that is, what that means, or what it stands for. I just understand now that it has something to do with direct competition to the PGA. That sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool and sounds actually rather noble to me. But then again, you know, I am a Trump supporter. So, uh, well, here we go. Here's our next President Trump statement. Actually, this is not a President Trump statement. Uh, allow me to correct myself. This is a statement from Truth Social. Okay. Let's see what Truth Social has to say to the audience out there. It says, uh, what a week. As many of you know, yesterday we launched the Truth Social web app, Party Time. Now anyone in the United States can access Truth Social from any internet-connected device. An Android phone, a laptop, a desktop, iPad, etc. Hooray! That means I no longer have to clip out President Trump's statements and email them to myself. All you have to do is go to truthsocial.com in your browser. New users can sign up there and existing users can log in without needing to go to the iOS application. Be sure to let your friends know and let your family know too that Truth Social is no longer iOS only. Oh, well, what fabulous news is this, my Truth Social and... Uh, uh, this is a, I, I'm really enjoying this app, guys. Like, I'm telling you, for someone who runs such a small operation, a hardworking operation nonetheless, though it is, you know, minimal at size at the moment, um, uh, with such a humble audience, I'm getting so much engagement on there. I'm like, wow, is this what it would have been like on Twitter had it not had all of these algorithms and bots and fake accounts? Indeed, indeed, indeed. Good news, good news. All right, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. That's pretty good. All right, guys, so now you know, truthsocial.com. You, my friends out there who do not have iOS applications, can now join me over at Truth Social. Don't forget the handle is at MRCTV. And, uh, well, there you have it. I look forward to seeing you all at Truth ladies and gentlemen. And uh, well, here we go, guys. It's time to get into the rest of our report. What do we got first? Oh, wait, let me close this one too. Whoa, what was that? <laughs> that was weird. I saw myself on the screen. Oh, what is going on here? Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm, I will eventually get control of myself. Okay, there we go. There we go. All right, guys. Whew, it's getting warm in here. Let's get into our first story of the night, ladies and gentlemen. We have a little bit of an Oregon state focus for the start of our show. This, of course, is also an election integrity story. So it is absolutely of the utmost importance that we share it with our audience, okay? Uh, because after all, election integrity and election fraud matters is kind of something we do here at the Sea Report it's kind of something that we view as important enough to share with you on the regular, right? Not just when the headlines tell us to. Mm. Okay, so what's going on in the state of Oregon? Of course, as we know, they just finished their primary this past Tuesday. Uh, to my understanding, there was one, uh, there was only one, only one candidate of note 
that uh, actually um, uh, was uh, nominated by way of election to the U.S. Senate, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, to face their contender in the midterm elections in November. And we'll talk about that individual in just a bit. Uh, but yes, so in the state of Oregon, it appears that there is a grassroots election integrity group that is uh, popping up and causing all kinds of problems over there for election officials and for uh, all of the rhinos. They're basically all rhinos from what I understand. And, uh, and also, of course, the progressive left Democrats in that state. Now, uh, this grassroots election integrity group um, has uh, made a bid to review the ballots from the 2020 election, and they are now facing some pushback. Um, that is from Oregon County, who is suing them to stop their annoying, wicked ways of bothering and poking around in the Oregon 2020 election. Uh, we have this now. Um, the name of the election integrity group is Clean Voter Rolls. And uh, you can find out more about them at cleanvoterrolls.com. Uh, but they had a press release today. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and share that with you guys in regards to this um, opposition that they're facing while trying to maintain some semblance of security and integrity in their state, that is the state of Oregon. It says here, uh, Clean Voter Rolls is a political action committee. Oh, well, pardon me. It's a political action committee, not a grassroots. Uh, uh, it's the same. The, the um, initiative is the same, I would say, as a grassroots election integrity group. Anyhow, it says a political action committee that promotes accurate Oregon voter rolls, which are necessary for fair elections. Clean Voter Rolls PAC was formed after HB 2681 passed in 2021. This House bill allows voters who do not vote to stay on the voter rolls indefinitely, making voter rolls inaccurate. Okay, so it allows voters who do not vote to stay on the voter rolls indefinitely. And now we've all heard about um, the states and the stories uh, about why this is detrimental. Now, why would you need an in um, um, a voter who does not participate? Right. Why would you need a voter who does not participate to remain on those voter rolls? I think generally speaking across the board, about two years is the max that most states will keep in active voters on their rolls if their voter rolls are being cleaned out indeed. But uh, you know what? It makes sense to me that the state of Oregon and all of their progressive Marxist-ness would vote to keep inactive voters on their voter rolls because after all, it just makes it that much easier to fraud the vote moving forward. And we know that this is the case because in every single story of election canvassing that we have shared here at the Sea Report, there's been several, several relevant and um, relevant and constant themes. Okay, and those themes involve ghost votes, uh, they involve missing votes, they involve dead people voting, they involve uh, inactive voters voting, they involve people who've moved away voting. And so you need the dirtiest, slimiest, swampiest voter rolls in order to pull this kind of fraud off. 
It makes perfect sense, guys. It makes perfect sense that the state of Oregon would participate in this. And again, I'm not decrying Oregon by any means. Uh, obviously not. We know that the state as a whole is more red than blue. But what I am decrying is the leadership of that state. And only second to that, I would be asking what the citizens of Oregon are doing about it. But that is neither here nor there for the point of this story. Washington County, Oregon, through a public rec records request, Tim Sipel sought the ballot database for a public test of the Washington County election system. The county denied the request. The Washington County District Attorney then ordered the county to produce the database. In response, Washington County filed a lawsuit in the Washington County Circuit Court seeking a declaration that it does not have to produce the database. The Oregon Secretary of State has now intervened, joining the case against Mr. Sapel. Now, I gotta say, guys... Washington County District Attorney might want to keep your eyes on him. He might be one that we want to boost up at some point in the future uh, because he he uh, he he filed that um, Mr. Sapel should have all rights to access that um, database and ordered the county to produce it. So Washington County District Attorney, are you taking notes, Oregon? All right, let's continue. Through a separate public records request, Janice Dissinger of Clean Voter Rolls sought, among other things, the ballot images from the November 2020 election. Among the documents provided by the county was a backup of the database for the November 2020 election, which the county contends it did not intend to produce. When Washington County learned that Mr. Sapel had the copy of the 2020 election database produced by Washington County, they sought and were granted a temporary restraining order preventing Mr. Sapel from copying or disseminating the database. Washington County and Oregon claimed that it would be irreparably harmed if Mr. Sapel distributed the database because it would present some unspecified security risk to the election system in Washington County and 14 other Oregon counties. Makes me wonder exactly what this unspecified security risk to the current Oregon election system would be. Do you think that security risk could happen to be that um, it will reveal that the current process of the election system in Oregon is total fraud. You think that's the security that's at risk? Because you have to think in terms of double speak on a lot of these matters, right? When you have a known leftist, Marxist, treasonous, rhino, otherwise, any, when you have one of those types, when you have a Piglosi or a Biden or a Kamala up there, saying, we need to fight for the security of America elections, and we need to fight for national security. They're talking about their America, not our America. They're talking about their national security for that, that, that uh, a dead corporate version of America. They're not talking about the organic version of America 
that is grassroots and is, you know, amber ways of grain, ladies and gentlemen. They're talking about their America that they need to protect. So take that double speak mentality and apply it to your state level, okay? And that's exactly what they're probably talking about, you know? The uh, Oregon Secretary of Snakes, as well as election officials in Oregon, and apparently those in Washington County, need to protect their election system in Oregon from unspecified security risks. And the reason why they're unspecified is because they cannot name it as being fraud. Unspecified, but it's still a risk to their version of election security. Okay, the uh, article continues, the parties have proposed a trial date of June 21st and 23rd, 2022. In the meantime, the parties have agreed to extend the TRO, the temporary restraining order for another 10 days and to negotiate a protective order so that experts for Mr. Sapel can have access to the database for the purpose of rebutting Washington County's case. Mr. Sapel contends the ballot database is a public record, which it is. He is entitled to possess it and that the county has no grounds to contend that dissemination of the database to the public would be a security risk. In a world where organized criminal activity occurred during the 2020 election, to inject a vast number of counterfeit unlawful ballots to the election systems in multiple states, as demonstrated by the recent movie 2000 Mules, it is extremely important that Washington County make public the 2020 election database. The fact that Washington County is fighting as hard as it can to hide this information from the public raises the question, what are they hiding? Supporting documents are located at www.joncus.net. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's all about election integrity. So I think that this is a very important story, ladies and gentlemen, and it appears that this will be another victim of 2,000 mules, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great night, Aurelius Lock. Sorry I got on so late tonight, but it was great to see you again as always, my friend. Now, sleep well, sleep well. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I told you. Now, I'm not saying I told you so, but I told you. Um, the, True the Vote has made their mark, ladies and gentlemen. The fallout from this documentary, which comes from the research performed by True the Vote, has absolutely ripped the globalist scheme asunder. It's breaking through, guys. We might actually have a breakthrough point in regards to election integrity, election fraud being exposed, ladies and gentlemen, it's to the point beyond denial, right? You cannot deny it once you've seen the film. And, and even the most sleepy-eyed, resistant, or ignorant individual who stands against President Trump will see this and will realize that just like for my audience, as it is for them, this is not about President Trump. Get over yourself, right? This is about our elections, and this is about our elections moving forward. Do you want someone that you don't want running your country? 
I mean, sure, it's all like, you know, uh, it's all sugar cane candy and, and lollipops right now with Joe Biden, right? It's all ice cream cones and, uh, you know, and, and, and lab ri lap rides, right? With Joe Biden, yeah? The, the, the Democrats and the left are happy. We got Joe Biden, but, but just imagine if this election fraud is true, well, what will happen with the next president? What if, what if we all of a sudden we have like some really un-American person running, you know, the show and the lefties also disagree with the person, right? What if they get an actual Nazi, right? What if one of the Nazi refugees coming over from Ukraine uh, ends up running our, running our country, right? What if Zelensky does? And then you have the left saying no, and you have the right saying no. And then, you know, the people who were uh, standing for election integrity were like, well, we told you. We told you. Anyhow, so uh, let's finish digging into this story out of Oregon. Uh, well, it says Oregon County here. This is from freedomrockradio.co. Uh, Oregon County suing voter integrity group to stop examination of 2020 ballots admits systems can be hacked. Oh, really? Can they now? Did you really admit that? It says, in a stunning revelation, legal documents show Oregon elections officials have inadvertently admitted that voting systems are vulnerable to attacks even when not connected to networks. This comes via the confusing legal mess that voter integrity organization Clean Voter Rolls has found themselves in thanks to their simple request to examine the ballots from the 2020 election. Clean Voter Rolls made a public records request of Washington County elections led by elections manager Mickey Kaway. The county just west of Portland initially denied the request, but the district attorney overturned the denial and ordered the disclosure of the ballots. Then the county sued the individual requester, Tim Sapel, to stop the disclosure of the ballots Soon, the Secretary of Snake's office and Department of Justice intervened on behalf of the county. Countless dollars are now being spent by the government entities to stop the public from seeing the ballots. One man is now dealing with the full brunt of the state government coming after him. Secretary of Snake's Shamia Fagan sought a restraining order against Sipel to forbid him from sharing the data he already has. The order was granted and has been extended. The state and county are arguing that simply showing the ballot images from the election could somehow compromise the computer systems, and that's why they should not have to show the ballots to the public. Even when systems are not directly connected to the networks, they are vulnerable to attack through physical or wireless access. Oh, you see that? This person, this person arguing, State Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum, just put her foot in her mouth, right? You know, she apparently they're not as savvy as uh, Jocelyn Benson, right? Or uh, Mary Toulouse Oliver or 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 Jenna Griswold. OK, <laughs> God, they, she just put her foot in her mouth. OK, so uh, A.G. Rosenblum also goes on to say if the court enters a judgment requiring the release of the clear ballot database, that judgment would compromise the security of the election systems used in 15 Oregon counties, meaning it would compromise their fraudulent system of elections and election handling. I'm sure 
a, an investigation or an audit would discover that to be the fact. This seems to contradict everything we've been told about the 2020 election and the computer systems, which dozens of elections directors and officials told us were not connected to the internet and thus could not possibly be hacked. In the state's initial complaint, they specify, Disclosure of the internal components of the voting system, such as the SQL database architecture. Might I add that the SQL database has been found in all states audited to not even be part of the certified software for Dominion voting machines? Another foot in the mouth. Jeez Louise. Okay. And it can allow for malicious actors to identify additional ways to attack the election system and compromise Washington County's elections infrastructure specifically and Oregon elections infrastructure more broadly. Further, such a disclosure creates risks to elections infrastructure to any jurisdiction nationally using this system. You know, by gosh and by golly, guys, you would think that if these people are going to go ahead and commit a crime to break state and federal law and to totally undermine the will of their people and the elections in this country, that they would at least do their homework. Microsoft SQL management database um, software is not certified in any state in this nation as so far as the EAC Election Assistance Commission says in their website, period. So they just put another foot in their mouth, ladies and gentlemen. We went through this with Antrim, Michigan. We went through this in Otero County, New Mexico. We went through this in Arizona, Maricopa County, and they're not paying attention. They're not paying attention to the fallout of these election audits across the country. <laughs> What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clouthub, and Pilt.net. Those statements alone merit an investigation in the state of Oregon. But again, that might be hard to come by because apparently Oregon is so corrupt that they would probably not even get any type of an investigation unless the will of the people was so strong, so are so just... The words cannot even come to my mouth, guys. The will of the people of Oregon would have to be such a will, okay? I mean, we're talking about in droves, in numbers, uh, uh, and, and, and daily, if, it, if need be, in order for any one of your current legislatures to make any type of a move, okay? Now, you have a clue with Washington County DA, District Attorney. You have a, a, you have a citizen, Mr. Sapel, who's already putting his neck on the line. 
But do you think Maricopa County happened because the Arizona Senate wanted to have an audit of their election? Now, I have no doubt that there were people in that Senate that wanted it to happen. But it could not be realized until they had the backing of their people known to them. And this has to be across the state, in the state of Oregon, for this to happen. You have your clues right here. Even mentioning that SQL database is a foot in the mouth and a foot in the grave for this type of election fraud in the state of Oregon. It's not certified for any voting machines across the board, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. I'm telling you, research this and report it about it enough. Now, <clears throat> you know, and I say because whatever other kind of weird empty threats that they are making or I guess the accusations or motions of of um, of of uh, their their system being compromised is kind of like okay well you know we can't really prove it but the SQL thing right there that in itself alone is not certified and this person obviously uh, this person obviously has not done their homework okay they've not done their homework. Um, okay, moving on along, it says uh, all of the case documents can be found at uh, this Dropbox link. You'll note that the state does not specify how exactly showing the ballot images from the 2020 creates this risk. They just make vague references. Uh, and then it has this latest uh, press release, which we actually just read on um, Clean Voter Rolls website. So we won't go through that. It says here, uh, Sapel tells us that Free Oregon is assisting with legal fees and uh, you can donate at uh, freeoregon.us, freeoregon.us. Uh, you can also donate to Clean Voter Rolls um, at their website, cleanvoterrolls.com. Uh, you can contact Washington County Elections Manager Mickey Kaway at 503-846-5800. Again, that is 503-846-5800. Perhaps you can make your own records request. Uh, you can contact Secretary of Snakes Shamia Fagan at 503-986-1523. That's 503-986-1523. Uh, give that secretary a piece of your mind about election integrity, election fraud. Uh, 2,000 mules and uh, let them know that we're coming for them. Uh, State Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum at 503-378-6002, Let let them know that uh, you absolutely want access to those voter rolls. Demand that it is public public knowledge and uh, property and that they have no right to withhold that from the public's view. Uh, And also let her know um, from Mr. C that she's a dumbass. (laughs) Just kidding. Leave that out. Leave that out. I don't want Oregon coming after me. And uh, let's see here. Uh, 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 The article concludes, ironically enough, Washington County is currently recruiting for a new elections manager. (laughs) What a story, ladies and gentlemen. What a story coming out of the state of Oregon. God bless this story came across my, my, uh, my desk today, guys. I was thinking about my friends in Oregon as we've been, uh, kind of, uh, 
volleying back and forth a little bit on Truth Social and abroad. So yeah, well, there you go, guys. Uh, here is actually the website one last time. This is cleanvoterrolls.com, all one word. Clean voter rolls are the hallmark of fairness, okay? Cleanvoterrolls.com. Go ahead and give it a gander, ladies and gentlemen, particularly if you live in the state of Oregon. Check it out. And I would say, um, I would say if you can't support them by way of, you know, monetary um, donation, hey, pass their link around, talk them up, let people know what they're doing and who they are. And let them know why it matters. And, you know, it's like I always said, when it comes to supporting any cause or any, you know, even when it comes to supporting the C-Report, your word of mouth is worth more to me and to them than any other form of contribution. And that is because the people who know you and the people who love you trust you. And so your word of mouth by spreading the, the word about the C-Report or clean voter rolls or any other cause or belief that you have is far more important than the uh, contributions that Jingle Lingle or Fold, ladies and gentlemen. And that's just all I got to say about that. Next story, we're still in the state of Oregon. Let's take another peek at this uh, candidate who won the uh, GOP Senate primary race. Uh, in case you hadn't heard about her, I know I hadn't. Uh, this is Joe Ray Perkins, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Ray Perkins. And Joe Ray Perkins took the United States Senate Oregon seat, one of them, um, th this primary round in Tuesday. Now, we did not hear lick one about Oregon. Trump did not endorse a single soul in that state. And so, you know, it, it left someone like me to wonder, like, what is going on in Oregon? That's why I kind of turned my attention to the state of Oregon after reporting on their primary the other day. And uh, one of my viewers, Aurelius Locke, brought to my attention Joe Ray Perkins, you know? And I was like, Aurelius, why didn't you ever tell me about Joe Ray to begin with, you know? Um, but uh, regardless, nevertheless, and above all that, uh, Joe Ray Perkins uh, did secure the nomination over there. Uh, will be facing a contender in the primary, in, in the uh, midterm elections, I apologize. Uh, but uh, Joe Ray is coming under a lot of, uh, a lot of fire. She's coming up under a lot of pressure. There are a lot of attacks that have been mounting against Joe Ray. And this should say something not just for... Uh, you know, the endurance of this woman, but also for the people of Oregon, okay? Remember what we were saying? Oregon is a red state. It's probably more red than blue, but you'd never know because of the corruption of their election and their um, um, political leaders over there. But um, Joe Ray was, uh, she received the nomination from the people of Oregon. This is, ladies and gentlemen, someone who is being attacked for sharing viewpoints and ideas in regards to such uh, uh, such notions and thoughts as um, where we go one, we go all, and uh, also something called Q, ladies and gentlemen. So you can imagine this woman was severely attacked before voters ever hit the polls. And now that she has secured the primary nomination, those attacks still continue. 
Joe Ray Perkins. Let's check out what this article had to say. Now, guys, you know, none of the independents or alternatives are talking about Joe Ray, just like none of them were talking about um, um, New Mexico, right, and Otero County, uh, just like none of them were talking about Colorado and Tina Peters, okay? They need to get they need to get a hint, right? Okay, so um, none of us knew about Joe Ray. None of us knew to support Joe Ray, and she could have had a much larger national impact had I known about her sooner. But no way, I forget. I've got a very small reach and a very humble audience. So you know, at least my audience members would have known about Joe Ray. But they did because they're the ones who told me about her. Now, this is not about me. It's about Joe Ray. So let's look at this article. Um, the reason why I preface it with this is uh, from uh, no alternative or independent news source. It's because this is from the MSM, from the Legacy Media. So you can imagine what this article is going to say about Joe Ray Perkins, right? It says, uh, QAnon follower wins Senate primary in Oregon. Now, you know, these guys are still so confused on the difference between a Q and an Anon. It, it would be pretty silly for someone to follow a QAnon, right? That means that, oh, I'm going to follow, uh, who could we use in this, who could we use an example that would not be, uh, that would not be offended if I said this, right? Who's a good QAnon out there that we could use as an example that would not be offended if I use their name? I'll give the audience 20 seconds to decide. <laughs> Anyways, what I'm trying to say is, say, say I were a cute Anon person, right? Say I were an Anon, right? And I, obviously I'm not an Anon because you can see my face. My name is Michael Aaron Cossidus and I got a show here Monday through Friday. Not an Anon, right? The Anons are the ones that hide behind like avatars and use, uh, you know, strange names, right? Uh, anyways, so, um, uh, it would be silly for someone to just blindly follow an anon, right? I mean, we're, it would be more, it would be more appropriate for them to follow Q and the posts, right? Not people who talk about Q and the Q posts, right? So that's where these guys are really confused in the legacy media. They still cannot figure out the difference between a Q and an anon, and they put them together because I think they, you know, they want to make an anon synonymous with anonymous, right? And everyone knows that anonymous was hijacked by the establishment. And according to Alex Jones, Q was also hijacked by the establishment about a month into their operation. So yeah, I don't know, but I guess Alex Jones was right. Do you think Alex Jones is right about that one too? I ask my audience, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, enough about that fool. Let's talk about this article from the Legacy Press. A follower of Q, a conspiracy theory that has been spreading from the far fringes of right-wing social media into more mainstream Republican circles, won the Republican primary for U.S. Senate in Oregon Tuesday, crediting fellow followers for her victory. Where we go one, we go all, said candidate Joe Ray Perkins in a tweet published prior to the results coming in, quoting a popular slogan from the conspiracy theory. I guess it's conspiracy wherever, where, where one goes, all go, right? I stand with President Trump. I stand with Q and the team. Thank you, Anons, and thank you, Patriots. Together, we can save our republic. During a victory speech live-streamed to social media, Perkins concluded by saying, as we Q people like to say, where we go one, we go all. 
On Wednesday afternoon, Perkins deleted both of the election night videos containing Q references. Q is a theory built around belief in an international conspiracy of high-ranking government officials to kidnap, abuse, torture, and kill children. The delusion under which an armed North Carolina man attempted a rescue mission at a Washington pizzeria in 2016, the baseless Pizzagate conspiracy seen as a precursor to QAnon. You know, and you know, that sentence right there for all intents and purposes is true. The Pizzagate conspiracy seen as a precursor to QAnon, because let's not forget... Uh, was not the guy who was from North Carolina that attempted to shoot up this pizzeria? Was the, he not the son of a famous actor? Did, did, did he not work for I, IMB or whatever that uh, that movie ratings uh, website is, right? Uh, so totally, totally a, a, um, a, a controlled act there, right? False flag. And then uh, the, the legacy press calls it QAnon. And QAnon is totally not what the movement is, Right. And, and QAnon is totally something that they have hijacked in their own mythology to discredit what Q did for Americans in assisting their arising and waking to um, a political and to um, patriotic um, um, uh, recompense, ladies and gentlemen. So I guess that statement is Q, uh, is, Q is true. You know, their version of, of Pizzagate as, as uh, carried out by their own hired man, you know, and their own uh, definition of QAnon. Yeah, yeah. Their, their false flag, their fake man going into, pizza, into uh, you know, ping pong pizza or whatever it's called was a precursor to their own lie because that was a lie to demonize the movement. It makes sense if uh, you can figure out my convolution. Anyways, uh, it says here, President Trump in the Q worldview is working behind the scenes to expose and disrupt this conspiracy, but has been thwarted by deep state bureaucrats and global elites. The narrative is fed by cryptic posts on the internet message boards from the anonymous Q, who followers believe to be a high-ranking intelligence official or possibly even Trump himself. Popular YouTube and social media pages promulgate and analyze Q's vague messages, turning the obsession into something of a game for many followers. So we, we could really get into just uh, uh, picking through and dissecting a lot of this. I mean, a lot of this is just uh, fluffed up with their own um, verbiage, you know, to create some type of uh, uh, demonization. Uh, but I mean, they, anyways, we don't need to get into it, guys. We really don't, right? Anyhow, we don't need to defend that. Perkins is the former Republican chairwoman in Lynn County, located just south of the capital city, Salem, and had run in prior Republican primaries in 2014 for the United States Senate, 2016 and 2018 for the state's 4th Congressional District. She was originally running for the House seat again in 2020, but withdrew to enter the Senate race. As of the latest results, Perkins has earned just short of 50% of the vote in the four-candidate race. The runner-up was former naval officer Paul Romero, who reached 30%. 
Perkins has made her support of Q a central plank of her campaign, telling right-wing Watch in January interview, it's a very highly calculated risk that I'm taking. Most people play it a lot safer than I do. It's either pure genius or pure insanity. It's one of the two. The voters are going to have to be the ones that make that decision. It sounds like, to me, she made the right decision, ladies and gentlemen. She goes on to say, I think that there's probably a lot of us out there, but I just happen to be bold enough to say, hey, I'm following Q because I want to know, because if the Q team is real, I want to know about it, Perkins added in the same interview, in which she compared believing in Q to believing in Jesus Christ as a matter of faith that transcends proof. Q is most likely military intelligence, suggested Perkins in the interview, and they've been out there watching what's been going on with our country for decades, and they are partnered with President Trump to stop the corruption and to save our republic. Trump has retweeted accounts that promote Q, and his rallies have been have had plenty of attendees supporting Q-related, uh, sporting Q-related apparel and signs. Last year, Yahoo News reported that an FBI document had identified Q as one of the conspiracy theory-driven domestic terrorist extremists that were potential terrorist threats. The FBI assesses these conspiracy theories very likely will emerge, spread, and evolve in the modern information marketplace, occasionally driving both groups and individual extremists to carry out criminal or violent acts, the document states. It also goes on to say that the FBI believes conspiracy theory-driven extremists are likely to increase during the 2020 presidential election cycle. The memo noted a 2018 incident in which a heavily armed man in an armored truck was arrested after blocking traffic on the Hoover Dam. He was demanding the release of the Inspector General's report on Hillary Clinton, an obsession of Q supporters. And in February, the man, 32 year, the man, uh, the man, 32 year old Matthew Wright, pleaded guilty to making a domestic terrorism threat, aggravated assault, and unlawful flight from pursuing law enforcement vehicles. Two assault rifles, two handguns, and 900 rounds of ammunition were found in the armored truck. All right, so it's going to go into more proof that Q are extremists, right? And then, of course, they're going to quote Media Matters as if though they were God. Uh, Perkins will be up against incumbent Democrat Jeff Merkley, who first won the seat in 2008. Merkley won his 2014 re-election bid by 19 points, but recent margins in statewide contests have been closer. With Clinton winning the state by 11 points in 2016 and Democrat Governor Katie Brown winning by 7 points in 2018, Democrat Senator Ron Wyden, the other member of the United States Senate delegation, won his bid for re-election by 23 points in 2016. I think that what they're saying there in conclusion is that Merkley might actually have a battle on his hands come November with this one individual, Joe Ray Perkins, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Ray Perkins... Proud and out, Q follower, lover of country, of nation, and uh, protector of children, ladies and gentlemen. We're actually going to look at one more thing about Joe Ray Perkins, just to get an idea of the opposition this woman 
will face, because she's already faced a lot. Uh, this is uh, an interview from uh, KGW News in Oregon. And, um, well, you better believe it, guys. It's absolutely biased, and I'm pretty sure that you would have guessed that whether or not I said that, ladies and gentlemen. So let's uh, get this baby up on the screen and rolling. All right, here we go, guys. Here is a, a short segment on um, Joe Ray Perkins, primary GOP contender in the state of Oregon, perhaps Oregon's last hope. Hey, Tracy Lee 555, thank you so much for the cookie. Much appreciated. Now, here's this. I was just uh, checking Facebook. Conversations already getting going there, starting to talk about this disinformation conversation that we're having right now. We want to keep having it because we want to focus on its role in the Oregon Senate race because the woman challenging incumbent Senator Jeff Merkley has gotten a lot of national attention because she subscribes to the QAnon conspiracy. Joe Ray Perkins has tweeted about her support of QAnon over the months since winning her primary. She also regularly shares false information on her Facebook page, most recently rumors about Antifa lighting Oregon's wildfires, which we and basically every law enforcement agency in Oregon have debunked. This week, I had a chance to ask Perkins about her belief in QAnon. But before we get into that, I think it's important for us to be kind of on the same page about what exactly QAnon is. It's easy to write off QAnon as some wacky conspiracy theory, but it's become widespread and in some cases dangerous, with the FBI classifying it as a domestic terrorism threat. But how did we get here? The precursor to QAnon was Pizzagate in 2016. That led to an armed man shooting inside of a pizza shop in Washington, D.C., because he believed there was a Democratic-led child sex trafficking ring there. Obviously, there wasn't. But the lie was pushed by users of online messaging boards like 4chan and 8chan. Then in 2017, one of those anonymous users named Q made their first post on 4chan. They claimed to be a government insider with information on Hillary Clinton's impending arrest, which never happened. But Q kept posting anyway and gained a following of Trump supporters who hung on every false claim and even started making some of their own. Claims like John F. Kennedy Jr. is still alive and will replace Mike Pence as President Trump's running mate and that the president's enemies will be sent to Guantanamo Bay where they'll be executed. QAnon's core belief is that a group of politicians and celebrities are kidnapping and eating children. And President Trump is waging a secret war to stop them. Again, none of this is true. And you're probably thinking these conspiracy theories are so out there, why even give them attention? It's because QAnon is no longer just a fringe internet rumor. As you saw with Pizzagate, it's already causing real world harm. And that's not the only incident. In 2018, a man was arrested on terrorism charges after he drove an armored truck filled with weapons over the Hoover Dam. He said he was motivated by a Q post. In 2019, a QAnon believer was charged with murdering a New York City crime boss that he claimed was part of a so-called deep state conspiracy against the president. The conspiracy theory has become so ingrained on Facebook and Twitter, they recently cracked down on groups and accounts that promote Q. That's why this summer the movement rebranded in an even more insidious way. 
users started spreading the hashtag Save the Children and holding anti-child trafficking rallies in hundreds of cities across the country. But these weren't innocent rallies. Experts say this was a strategy to lure other people into the movement who wouldn't normally get caught up in conspiracies but want to help fight child trafficking. And that's how we got here. Crystal clear, maybe, kind of hazy-ish clear. There's there's more to it. I mean, that's like the abridged version, if you can believe it. But now we want to get, uh, now that we kind of feel like everybody is up to speed, we want to get to our conversation with Oregon's Republican Senate candidate, Joe Ray Perkins. Explain to me your decision to kind of make this part of your your platform, though. Part of, you know, the, I believe when you took the nomination. I never made it part of my platform. Well, you said you stand with Q during a... You've mentioned QAnon during pretty meaningful moments in your campaign. Okay. I mentioned, so the where we go one, we go all. I I stand with President Trump. I stand with Q and the team. That was actually before I won the nomination. That was the same day. That was at about 5 p.m. on May the 19th, just before we got ready to walk out the door. And I do stand with President Trump. And I do stand with Q and the team. Stand with Q and the team. I'm standing for their First Amendment rights, freedom of the press, and they are a form of the press. And if we have freedom of the press and freedom of speech, we must have freedom to read. And therefore, I stand with Q and the team to publish what they publish. Let's talk about what it doesn't have mean published. that I- right. But let's talk about what people have published, because if you Google QAnon, the very first couple of things that come up, for instance, I'll read it. QAnon is a far-right conspiracy theory alleging that a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles running a global child sex trafficking ring is plotting against President Donald Trump, who is battling them, leading to a day of reckoning involving the mass arrest of journalists and politicians. Does that – what's your take on that? Does that adequately describe – That was put out by Mr. Travis – no, it doesn't. No, that's put out by Travis View, and I don't know who View is. And if we're not going to discuss the issues, and I, I will end this interview, I'm here to discuss the issues that are facing Oregon and that are facing the United States of America. That's well, what I'm I, here I just, to discuss. I'm not here to hard. discuss what other people put out there. Here's the bottom line. I read what is, and I do not read 100% of what is posted because I don't have time to read it all. I, When I have time, I read what's posted. If I don't have time, I don't read it. If there's something that is of interest to me, and I have time, I will do further research on it. I do know that we have human sex trafficking going on. That is a verifiable fact that is indisputed. And it does not matter to me who it is. I don't care if it's the person down the street, and I don't care if it's the president of the United States. If they are doing this, I hope that they are caught, put on trial, and if found guilty, that they pay the price. Bottom line. And all that he was talking about your, is they're a pedophile. I didn't, I never made it a part of my campaign. Well, not part of your campaign, no. but, but introducing it into the conversation because the of conversation? moments right now. No, not at all. Because I think right? people need to stop. People need to be able, need to question everything. Now, the same day that I spoke to Perkins, and you can tell we were kind of talking over each other there. I apologize. We want a little bit of a delay. But we also spoke to Senator Merkley, and I wanted to know what were his thoughts about his challenger and her beliefs. QAnon is a conspiracy theory advanced on, on the web uh, that is designed to divide America and increase hate in America. I think it's un- very unproductive because what we really need to do is unify America 
on the basis of uh, solving the problems we face. So uh, there's, in this case, I would say our citizens have a very um, clear choice between people with very different philosophies. Not a lot of people are giving her a very, uh, a very big chance of unseating you. Um, do you give her a chance? Uh, you know, I've really been focused on these immediate crises we've been facing, uh, the fires, the coronavirus, the loss of jobs, and I'm not paying much attention to her campaign at, at all. So um, I guess so I'm just going to stay focused on problem solving, let the election fall where it might. Of course, we talked about more than conspiracy theories. I talked to both of them for a while. We got into the issues as well, as you can imagine. They have pretty much different opinions on just about everything. And we're going to have more from both of these candidates a little later this week. Yeah, yeah, right? Of course, we talked about them, about various things and the issue. But we're not going to share that with you because this was just a hit piece against... uh, Someone whose politics we do not agree with and uh, someone who is an easy target because um, of the way that they have uh, run this uh, QAnon thing into the ground. And of course, yeah, a lot of my audience understands that Tracy Lee 555, there is no such thing as QAnons. It is Q or Anons, not the same thing at all. Uh, David Brock at it again, says Java figures. He's been fighting it ever since WikiLeaks. Was that David Brock? I don't know what the guy looks like. So, uh, couldn't tell you, but yeah, yeah, David Brock. Uh, that's, uh, that's, um, um, in, in that, uh, in that, uh, Alephantis's boyfriend, or they used to be boyfriends. I don't know if they still are together or not. I don't know. You can go see, uh, Alephantis at his Pegasus Museum, right? Anyways. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, Pizzagate was way before the Chans. It was WikiLeaks posting Podesta emails, etc. Says Java for clarification. You know, you know that's the same thing that Alex Jones says. Alex Jones says, "Oh well, you know, uh, QAnon created Pizzagate or whatever it was. You know, uh, and, and QAnon came out of Pizzagate and WikiLeaks or something like that. I don't know. Um, uh, apparently, apparently, Alex Jones knows who QAnon is. Also." Um, and he totally discredits it. And all of you Q believers just totally piss him off. Because you ruined America, according to Alex Jones. But hey, Alex Jones was right, right? I'll be damned if Alex Jones is right about that one. Okay, guys. All right. See, you are froze, says Tam Growl. I hope I unfroze. It would be nice to be froze. It's kind of hot up here today for some reason. No hammering, but definitely the heat is turned up. Hey, Subpack Vet, how's it going? Uh, let me see who else is. Uh, MacGyver, what's going on? How you doing? I saw you pop in. Sorry, I hadn't said hello yet. Good to see you this evening. I'm like, what, what, do you, what links do you keep on dropping in the chat room, Skeeter Burke? Can we take on this, please? Uh, We cannot take it on today because I will obviously need to review the link, but I have already saved it. So uh, we'll take a look at it tomorrow. Oh, fact checking. Come on. They can't fact check crap on uh, 2000 Mules. 
We've already been through all the fact-checking, Skeeter Burke, but, I mean, you haven't been in the audience uh, too regularly, so you missed all of our shows on that, right? Debunking the debunkers of 2,000 Mules. I'm, I'm not calling you out, Skeeter. I'm just saying, Miss Burke. <laughs> Where have you been? Uh, okay, all right. Um, let us carry on, guys. In case you, pro you probably realized, we have uh, a semblance, a silhouette of um, Michigan on the screen. So yeah, we're going to jump into some Michigan stories, ladies and gentlemen, Michigan stories uh, regarding voter fraud, integrity, the elections, et al. Yeah, Alex is a right about a lot of things, Tracy Lee, but you know, an operative would be right about a lot of things. Don't forget that, okay? Don't forget that. Someone who's working as an operative will be right about many things. Don't forget that, okay? Don't forget that. All right. And if you believe in Q, how do you, how do you, how do you like, uh, what's the word? How do you reconcile his, uh, uh, Alex Jones and, and, you know, uh, eating at his table and President Trump and Q? Because he hates both of those two things. Anyways, I'm just saying. Um, okay. All right. Back into Michigan. All right. So some stories from Michigan. First of all, we have a story coming out. It's, uh, it's about a week and a half old or so. Apparently, the state police in Michigan seized some of their voting machines. One would have to wonder why they would be up to that. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at what the papers had to say. This is, again, an MSN um, website here. So it's going to be biased, guys. It's from the Legacy Media. State police raided a western Michigan township as part of an investigation into reports of unauthorized access to voting machines after the 2020 election. One tabulator was seized in Irving Township on Friday. Barry County Clerk Pamela Palmer told CNN, told WOOD-TV, an NBC affiliate, that the alleged breach had no effect on the 2020 election results. Palmer insisted the same. In February, Michigan Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson asked the state's attorney general and the state police to investigate reports of an unnamed third party gaining unauthorized access to voting technology in Roscommon County. Carroll told CNN the inquiry had expanded to more counties after being notified of other election systems breaches. If we find more examples of unauthorized access, we talk to those officials to find out what transpired, Carroll said. The Michigan Attorney's General's office declined to comment on the report. She was probably too drunk at a college football game. At least one third party allegedly um, gained access to tabulation machines and data drives in Richfield Township and Roscommon County. Benson's office said in a statement in February, if it did, the equipment would be required to be replaced with taxpayer money. The statement warned contracts with voting system vendors and state law, uh, state law restrict access to voting equipment to qualified personnel. Benson's office said machines accessed by unauthorized personnel may have exposed the machines to vulnerabilities that render them unusable in future elections. Benson's office added 
protecting the integrity and security of our elections, especially from those who use lies and misinformation to deceive Michigan voters, is a critical component of defending democracy in this moment, says Benson, the Secretary of Snakes. Michigan law is clear about the security threats uh, that emerge when anyone gains unauthorized access to our election machines or technology, and I will have no tolerance for those who seek to illegally tamper with our voting equipment unless they're on her team. Benson's office also mentioned how a third party also accessed Dominion voting machines tabulators in Antrim County in December 2020 following a court order referring to a so-called forensic audit continued as part of a now-dismissed 2020 election lawsuit in the rural northern Michigan County, and then used the data it found to generate a report falsely claiming election fraud. Oh my goodness, I hope these guys get rolled up for being complicit in disseminating false truths and uh, defamation about the 2020 elections. The ensuing report, Benson's office said, was thoroughly debunked, which it wasn't, by multiple election experts, which they aren't, but not before it was cited as the reason for the federal government to seize tabulation machines in a draft executive order of former President Donald Trump. Another submission in the same case in the Antrim County claims to include an image from an election systems and software tabulator, the vendor that provides tabulators to all Roscombe County jurisdictions. So, uh, Jocelyn Benson here is saying that because of Antrim County, keeping in mind that uh, this... um, entire process was not over until after January 2021. It caused uh, President Donald Trump to write that letter about seizing tabulation machines to draft an executive order. Did they execute that executive order? No. If I recall correctly, that was an option on the table, but it was never one that they followed through with. Hmm. Benson, a Democrat, wrote a letter to the House Committee investigating the Capitol riot. Yep, yep, she's a snitch in this case, raising the prospect that the controversial analysis of Dominion machines was instrumental to Trump's claims of widespread fraud and challenges to the results of the contest. Indeed, Trump had touted the Antrim County lawsuit as recently as last month in a telephone town hall event for Matthew DiPerno, the Republican nominee in the race for Michigan Attorney General, who spearheaded the 2020 litigation. Antrim County Prosecutor James Rossiter told the Washington Compost in a report published February 9th that he declined a request by Rudy Giuliani and other legal advisors to Trump to seize and share his county's voting machines. I said, I just can't say uh, I could give it to them here. We don't have that magical power to just demand things as prosecutors. You need probable cause. Giuliani's attorney said his client declined to comment on the report. Benson made the Roscommon County inquiry request in the same week that the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, an arm of the Department of Homeland Security, said that it was reviewing a report on alleged vulnerabilities in Georgia's voting equipment, also of the Dominion variety. CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, asked a judge in Georgia, in a Georgia election case, to hold off on ordering the release of a report 
which could have implications for election technology used in states across the country until it completes its review. Now, I find it quite interesting that they are raising this uh, topic in this legacy media, MSM, fake news, propaganda piece, because this is going to work against them in the future. Mark my words here as of May 19th, 2022. You heard it on the C-Report. It's going to work against them. It, this, is, this is the kind of thing that the left and the Democrats and the left-leaning liberals and the progressives don't want people to even know about, think about, imagine, or dream about. And that, ladies and gentlemen, would be the Georgia report from J. Alex Halderman, which was funded by the Democrats, which shows that Dominion voting machines can be hacked and can be commandeered and was summarily placed under lock and key because they pulled through with the fraud in 2020, okay? And and this report would also, uh, I, I would say, render null and void Dominion voting machines against all the lawsuits that they have filed and might even uh, cause them to face some type of litigation, I don't know why they would bring this uh, report up in this story, but um, you see the crookedness as displayed. Now, you know, what was really behind the seizure of these voting machines by the um, federal government? I don't know, because this is May and uh, she she complained about it in February. And uh, Trump did that draft executive uh, demand like in December of 2020. January 2020, no one came and seized the machines. They never went through with that plan. That was one of the plans on the table. You know, either they were going to go to uh, six different counties in the highly contested states and have a hearing, which is what they did, or they were going to seize all the voting machines, which they didn't, or they were going to have a hand recount publicly with military and, you know, uh, um, uh, what is it, the National Guard there to guard everything while they did it in front of everybody with every single vote, which they didn't do that one, obviously, either, you know? So they they had a number of plans on the table. How do I know this? Because I listen to a lot of things, okay? And um, they didn't go through with any of the plans except for having the six hearings in the six most highly contested states of that election, so where this uh, federal government comes in seizing these machines, I'm actually kind of at a loss on that. So I'm going to have to dig a little bit deeper, get a little bit closer, unless the rest of this article explains it. Uh, but let's get back to this Georgia report. We've talked about the Georgia report here, guys. There's like five reports on the books, right? Colorado, Georgia, Michigan, New Mexico, and Wisconsin, okay? Five reports and Arizona, six, okay? Six reports that show how Dominion voting machines can be hacked into, can be remotely controlled, can be remotely turned on, can be manipulated, okay? Six reports by um, experts in the field, including one of these reports, the Georgia report, being funded by the Democrats, as an opposition piece against Trump in case their fraud did not go through in 2020. Okay? Now that we got that understood, 
Because I think these are some of the bits and pieces that a lot of us either fail to remember or just have no idea because no one else is talking about it. No one else thinks it's important. It's more important to read your daily headlines, right? Anyways, tell the same old story about the destruction of this country under an illegitimate administration, which we already know about. How about we get to information that could assist in restoring our republic, saving our elections, and saving our country, right? Anyways, I don't mean to be uh, I don't mean to be a diva. Anyhow, it says here, um, getting back to this, CISA asked a judge in Georgia in a Georgia election case to hold off on ordering the release of the report, which could have implications for election technology used in states across the country until it completes its review. Now, this was some time ago, guys, so I, I don't know if this is still trying to finish their review. J. Alex Halderman, a professor of computer science and engineering at the University of Michigan, wrote a report released by the Michigan Department of State arguing that human error led to early tabulation errors in Antrim County in the 2020 election. He lies. Although Halderman acknowledged vulnerabilities in the election technology, he stressed there is no evidence that any of these problems was ever exploited in Antrim County. Halderman also wrote the Georgia report, which is currently under seal. Dominion President and CEO John Paulos blasted the Antrim County report in a hearing with Michigan lawmakers, testifying that the findings were categorically false, though he cannot prove it, and released by a biased group, and he is biased himself. Dominion, which has filed a wave of high-dollar defamation lawsuits over claims of alleged fraud in the 2020 election, also cut at the credibility of Halderman's review in Georgia. And uh, if you guys are interested in knowing the status of all of those Dominion lawsuits, uh, I would recommend you uh, check out a replay or check it out on the podcast, uh, episode 301, maybe, or 299. Uh, we do a review of all the Dominion lawsuits in that episode. Everyone from uh, Mike Lindell to Sidney Powell to OAN. We skip out on Newsmask and Fox because, after all, they are not what you call controlled opposition, but what you call controlled liars, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Controlled liars, ladies and gentlemen. I actually came up with a better phrase for it at some other point, but I can't remember what it was. Let me see. Let me let me think real quick. Let me think. No, no, no. No, no. We got to press on, guys. We got to press on. It's already what? We're almost at the two-hour mark, ladies and gentlemen. So we must continue. All right. Let's see what we got up now. For those of you in the uh, podcast audience wondering why I'm screaming, we have a wretched Secretary of Snakes on the screen. And, uh, well, that would be one Jocelyn Benson. Who have we been talking about in Michigan? We've been talking about Jocelyn Benson. Ladies and gentlemen. Tracy Lee 555 says, they lost. Who lost? Who lost, Tracy Lee? <laughs> Are you talking about Dominion? Or are you talking about Lindell and Powell? I'm curious to know. 
Um, okay, all right. So Jocelyn Benson, guys. Apparently, the Michigan Secretary of Snakes is crying and shedding her reptilian crocodile's tears, right? She's coughing up her venom water, right? Because apparently, there are rumors going around the mill that she should be arrested for treason. Well, I wonder where that idea came from, Jocelyn Benson. You, uh, you, a uh, stealer of elections? You illegitimate American? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure she was born in America. She can't be that illegitimate, but she can be full of treason. It's poison, right? She must be drinking the tap water, right, Dr. Artis? Anyways. So, yes. Um, so, yes, Jocelyn Benson seems to be all caught up in her fears that um, Trump is saying she should be tried for treason. I swear I saw somewhere that she said that Trump put an assassination hit out on her. And I was like, no, Jocelyn Benson, that's not an assassination hit out on you by Trump. That is an assassination hit by the constituents of Michigan against your political life. And uh, the assassin's name is Christina Caramo. Uh, I'm going to pause right real quick, ladies and gentlemen. Um, um, Tracy Lee. Dominion has not lost a single lawsuit. Now, I would urge you to tune in and I'm going to pull up the episode right now. Okay, because that, I don't know where you're getting your news from, Tracy Lee, but I haven't seen you here in a while, so I would kind of wonder where you're getting your news from. They did not lose any, uh, they did not lose any of their lawsuits, Tracy Lee. Uh, I'm going to pull up the episode here for you to see real quick. And I would urge you to go back and review this episode and perhaps tune into the Sea Report more often. And if you don't think I'm being too much of a jackass, tell your friends that maybe they should tune in here too. <laughs> uh, let's see, what episode was it? I know we have it over at the good old... Um, let's see here. I think it's episode number... Episode number 301, Tracy Lee. We go over all the Dominion lawsuits. They're all still current. They're all still in litigation. They've lost none. In fact, the judges have doubled down on Mike Lindell. Uh, they have doubled down on Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you might want to tune into the show more often. Um, that way you don't look a certain way out there with all the rest of your C-Report audience friends. Okay. <laughs> Man, I probably sound like a big old jackass right there. Anyhow, I'm just saying, uh, I don't know where you get your news from, but it was wrong. Okay, so <laughs> Java says a mean tweet does not equal an assassination attempt, right? Well, apparently, you know how them lefties roll, right? Them lefties roll like snowflakes in the Texas heat. And that is, they are crying themselves. Uh, and, 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 you know, she's just really scared of Christina Caramo. Uh, she she feels the fear of uh, some empty void in her soul. Um, had she a belief in God, I'd say she fears the feel of God. Now, you know what I just noticed right now, ladies and gentlemen? Call me a conspiracy theorist, but aside from her eyes being really wacky in this photo, 
Take a look at... I just saw this right now. Look at that eyeball. Looks like she's struggling to keep her human form, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right, we'll give this one over to all the exopolitical patriots out there that talk about reptilians and etc. Jocelyn Benson, get her on film, but we have her in a photograph. <laughs> Unless she has that really rare iris disease, right? Where you have like a big old black spot or two on your iris. I don't know, but I, I would think this Secretary of Snakes is probably just that. <laughs> wow, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Bannon's war room never said that they had lost their argument. Tracy Lee, be honest. Who are you watching on Foxhole? Anyways, okay. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at this. Michigan election chief Trump suggested I be arrested for treason and executed. Are you sure it was the, the QAnon's uh, Jocelyn Benson? <laughs> Okay, let's go on. Jocelyn Benson, Michigan's top election official, faced an onslaught of threats after the 2020 presidential election for refusing to overturn results that showed Joe Biden had won the state. In those hectic weeks, she says she also received an especially disturbing piece of information. President Donald Trump suggested in a White House meeting that she should be arrested for treason and executed. Benson, a Democrat, revealed the alleged remark for the first time in an interview with NBC. She said she learned of it from a source familiar with Trump's White House. It was surreal and I felt sad, says Benson, recalling her reaction. It certainly amplified the heightened sense of anxiety, stress and uncertainty that I have as an SJW activist secretary of snakes, which I still feel in many ways because it showed there was no bottom to how far President Trump and his supporters were willing to stoop to overturn or discredit all of my credibility because she don't care about legitimate elections. Reaching for comment, Trump spokesman Taylor Budwick said, I have it on good authority that Secretary Benson knowingly lied throughout her interview with NBC News, which is what these people do. They are known to do it. They have always done it. They will always do it. Benson, Michigan Secretary of State, is now locked in an election fight with a Republican candidate who parrots Trump's false claims about the 2020 election. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is from a legacy media press. This is from NBC News. OK, OK. So that's why there's bias. OK. In speeches on her podcast, Christina Caramo has said the election was rigged and stolen and Secretary of State Benson should go to jail. Well, you know what? That's why a lot of people are supporting Christina Caramo, that's why the Michigan GOP base constituency conservatives nominated her in a landslide by thousands of votes over the rhino establishment pick in Michigan to be the secretary of state come November. Ladies and gentlemen, a community college instructor, Caramo has secured the endorsement of the state GOP party and more pivotably, Trump himself. She is strong on crime, including the massive crime of election fraud, Trump said in his endorsement. The Secretary of State race in Michigan is among several featuring GOP candidates who have pushed the false claim that the 2020 election was marred by widespread fraud. 
This November, voters in 24 states will decide who should run their elections. Candidates who deny the 2020 election results are on the ballot in 14 states, including the key battleground states of Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, and Nevada. Well, guys, I am going to go figure out who those other two secretaries of state are. I mean, 10, sorry, not two, 10 secretaries of state. And, um, well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a cookout. Uh, <laughs> I swear. Now, uh, that was from the Legacy Press. This is from the Independent Alternatives. Let's see what they think about this debacle. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson lies through her teeth as she cowers away from facing Christina Caramo. Michigan's dishonest Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson's latest case of lying through her teeth may be the most ridiculous yet. Soros-funded Benson's pattern of lying goes back beyond the 2020 election fraud. However, that is where we begin. Look at she's got the snake eye here also. Anyways, do you want to see it? <laughs> what is up with that? Anyhow, in November of 2021, despite her frequent and fervent claims against the possibility of election fraud in Michigan and in general, Benson was sued for neglecting her duty of removing dead voters from the voter rolls. Nearly 26,000 dead people were still on the voter roll with around 4,000 having been dead for over 20 years. She pushed for removing stringent safeguards on voting, such as photo IDs, and then refused to testify before the Senate. She broke the law when she directed clerks to ignore signature matching laws on absentee ballots in the 2020 election. She refused to sign affidavits from concerned citizens requesting a forensic audit of the 2020 election. She's even lied about the existence of armed protesters outside of her home. The story was debunked by the nightly news. The only thing that she seems to do is lie about the 2020 election and cower away from it. But now the lies are so ridiculous that no one in their right mind could ever believe them. She claims to have heard from an anonymous source close to President Trump's White House that Trump suggested trying her for treason and having her executed. Words do not describe how insane she sounds. Of course, this most recent lie stems from her fear of facing Christina Caramo, the GOP's Trump-endorsed Michigan candidate for Secretary of State, whom she has already referred to as essentially a common criminal. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, the state of Michigan. I don't understand why I have such an affinity for the state of Michigan, but I do. I do. Uh, let's, let's listen to some more of her uh, debauchery. I'm going to make you guys sit through this, okay? It, it's a 20-minute it's a clip. We're not going to listen to the entire clip. Um, apparently, um, uh, Jocelyn Benson is going to try and push some new things in the state of Michigan for the 2022 elections. She needs to make sure that she can get away with stealing her seat 
in 2022. So uh, let's 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 just sit back and watch it, and maybe we can figure out exactly how disingenuous disingenuine this person is. Uh, we can pay attention to her tone. We can we can pay attention attention to her verbiage. We can pay attention to her gesticulation. Uh, I mean, she's a snake, guys. This woman is a snake. That woman is a snake. That is Jocelyn Benson. Let's see what she has in store for Michigan in 2022. And maybe you guys can tell me how many things she's trying to pass that are totally illegal and totally enable fraud in elections. Because I'm sure you guys know what they are just by hearing them. Especially if you've been in my audience long enough. Here we go. Securely and accurately. So my administration is going to continue to do just that, ensuring our election system is the most secure in the nation. And I have no doubt that the more than 1,500 township, city, and county clerks who administer our elections locally are joining us and will join us in that effort. But this year's elections, to meet the needs of our voters, the escalating costs and other challenges, our state legislature, we need to take action. Rather than continuing to spread misinformation with legislation and proposals that are in search of non-existent problems, it is time for our, our allies and teammates, I hope, in the legislature to do the people's work and pass nonpartisan election policies that serve all voters on both sides of the aisle. So I'm here today to reiterate and prioritize four policy changes that our office feels are critical to this year's elections. First, Michigan voters want results on election night and they deserve them just as much as voters in Florida, Kentucky, Ohio, and the many other states that process absentee ballots prior to election day. But our laws, as we've been saying for over three years now, do not allow that. And so Michigan voters often do not have unofficial results on election night or shortly after the polls close and have to sometimes wait up to 24 hours after the polls close to get them. That gives election deniers and other conspiracy theorists time to fill the space between when the polls close and when the results are announced with false conspiracy theories that undermine our elections themselves, spread false and confusing theories as to what and why the results will be what they are, and threaten ultimately, not just our democracy, but our citizens' faith in their voices and their vote. So that's why in February of this year, both the associations of the municipal and county clerks called on the legislature to allow pre-processing of absentee ballots. State Representative Matt Colazar, the uh, ranking member of the state, the state House Elections Committee, has also introduced legislation that would provide clerks with the national best practice of seven days to process, but not count, absentee ballots prior to election day. Now, if legislative leaders truly want to bolster faith in our elections, they need to give voters election results on election night. This is the proposal that will enable that to happen. Secondly, it's time for the state legislature to put its money where its mouth is and provide consistent and sufficient funding to ensure our elections are safe and secure. For too long, our state legislature has, has relied on local governments and federal agencies to keep our elections secure, accessible, and funded, oftentimes resulting in unpredictable and insufficient funds. Municipal and county clerks have also called for these actions from our state legislature, and they are now negotiating the budget. So that's why today I'm asking again 
that our state lawmakers provide $100 million annually directly to county, city, and township governments only to be used for election administration and the security of our election and our election officials. Third, we need to protect the people who protect our democracy. And those are our election officials, our election workers, and volunteers who support them. These individuals, true public servants, and the heroes of our democracy live in each and every one of our communities. They are our neighbors, our friends, family members, and they deserve protections to ensure that their safety and the safety of their families and of every voter they serve is paramount. But in recent years, we've seen election officials and workers being the targets of threats, in part as a result of the growth of misinformation around our elections, and this has become a truly un-American and unprecedented barrage of threats and harassment to our election officials and their families. As a result, many officials and volunteers who collectively have decades of experience are leaving their positions, unwilling to take further abuse for simply doing their jobs and making elections secure. They need support from our state legislature in the form of laws that will require stiffer penalties for those who threaten, harass, and dox election workers. They protect democracy for all of us, these election workers, and that's why we must protect them. Fourth and finally, our state lawmakers need to also protect the voting rights of the men and women who protect our democracy overseas and stand on the front lines ensuring that everyone has access to the freedom to vote. We need to enable them to return their ballots securely and virtually or electronically. Michigan is behind in other states in doing this, allowing military overseas and other voters and their spouses to return their ballots by mail. And that is likely the reason that nearly 25% of military ballots were returned too late to be counted or not counted at all in the 2020 presidential election. That is unacceptable. That's more than 1,600 members of our armed services who are disenfranchised by our antiquated laws. This has to change. As such, a bill should be easy to pass because the state legislature has already passed it in the legislature and in the state Senate in December of 2020. State Representative Padma Kupa has reintroduced the same bill again this cycle. And I'm asking now on behalf of all military service members and their spouses serving overseas that lawmakers pass this again and this time ensure it is delivered to the governor for her signature. Those are four critical laws that Michiganders need ahead of the 2022 primary and general elections. They are all nonpartisan. They support Democratic, Republican, and independent voters alike, protecting the access of the election system and ensure that their voices are heard. Okay, that's about enough of her. I know, guys, I made you sit, I made you sit through six minutes of Jocelyn Benson. I apologize. Uh, but yeah, you know, um, so she brings up all these points that she wants to do to strengthen the 2022 and forward midterms. Okay, uh, let's talk about the first one. She wants to make absentee ballot processing an earlier thing prior to election day. Now she says, we want to process them, but we're not going to count them. How does that work? How do you process a ballot without counting the ballot? That makes absolutely no sense, okay? Now, here's something, and now, now this was her reason for doing that. Think about Pennsylvania. 
uh, we have this big old recount and we have to count all these mail-in ballots. And while that's happening, President Trump saying, uh, Oz won and Oz should just declare it. And she's saying, well, we need to be able to process our absentee ballots earlier because in the time between the closing of election and polls that night and the time that they actually finish counting the ballots, there's plenty of room for election conspiracy theorists to spread their lies and cast doubt upon the elections when in actuality getting an early start on processing those ballots which again i don't know how you're going to process a ballot and not uh count the ballot or 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 tally it for whom the vote goes uh it'll only assist more with the fraud ladies and gentlemen Uh, quite clearly quite clearly okay So that's one of her points. The next point is more money, right? She wants $100 million given to the office of the Secretary of State and every single clerk. I mean, I'm sure that would be spread out through all of Michigan, right? Directly to them with no, uh, you know, no, no, uh, no rules on how it should be spent or regulated. Just give me the money because we're not getting Zuckerbuck's money anymore. Okay, right? Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Uh, She wants protection of election workers because apparently none of them are coming back this year after everything they experienced uh, in 2020. Well, you know, if I were a crooked, corrupt election worker and I were kicking people out of the counting room, kicking conservative people out from being able to observe the counting process right? Muscling them out and then covering up all of the windows so no one could see with pizza boxes. I would probably expect to get hit in the face, right? By some patriotic American that feels like you are totally impeding on everything this country stands for. So I'm guessing that these election workers got so whooped that they're not going to come back. So she wants to increase the penalties on those who dox and or, and that's the doxing is a leftist game. I mean, come on, Jocelyn, know your people. Conservatives don't do that shit. Anyhow. uh, And, uh, but you know what? Here's another thought. Maybe the reason that election workers are not coming back next year is not because they got hit in the face. Maybe it's because they heard about this film called 2000 Mules and they're afraid they are about to get rolled up for all the crap that they pulled during the 2020 election because justice comes slowly sometimes, but justice still comes nonetheless. Lastly, overseas electronic voting. There was a hearing in Arizona where they mentioned this exact thing, okay? And the thing about this was when it dealt with our uh, armed forces, our men and the services overseas and abroad. First of all, Jocelyn Benson, I would like to say you are a bold-faced liar because she's like, it's inexcusable that 16,000 of our military people did not get to participate because it either came in too late or uh, whatever, right? No, 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 no. As memory serves, how many military ballots were missing in the 2020 election? And why were those ballots missing? Because they were all voting for Trump, Jocelyn Benson. So you're going to use this as an excuse. But as we saw in a case in Arizona, when it came to the um, uh, when it came to the overseas balloting, right, with an electronic provision. Oh, well, you know, they vote online. That vote then goes over to the secretary of state or the county uh, election commissioner's office or the county clerk's office. And then they produce the ballot. Oh, but alas, these ballots, they're not 
they're not printed on any type of official stock, right? A paper, okay? These ballots have also been found to have been manipulated in these investigations. So it's an insecure method of voting unless they get on the blockchain. And that's uh, apparently not here just yet. I wouldn't say that doing any type of electronic voting, especially from overseas, is a safe and secure way to ensure that your vote is going to the candidate that you are intending to vote for. Ladies and gentlemen, Jocelyn Benson, eat your heart out. All right, guys. All right. We got a few more stories to get through tonight. We actually got quite a few more stories to get. Well, let me see here. Let me see here what's left on my menu. There is that which I have promised you, and there is that which I have not mentioned. So we'll see. Uh, but first of all, getting back into the chat, Tracy Lee 555, thank you so much for your grace. I appreciate your love, and uh, I, I appreciate that, you know, uh, we can have such discourse. I mean no disrespect, of course, by the way, whenever I uh, say the things that I say. Um, let's see here. WC Crane Op, what's going on? Good afternoon, or good evening, I should say. Good night, buddy. Good evening on your neck of the woods, probably. Hope you're doing well. Good to see you in the crowd, and uh, 123SKG, thank you so much for gifting the phone. It's good to see you, sweetie. Glad you're in the audience tonight. WC Cranop says, actually pretty good. Looked into, eight, uh, into the HR 2005 International Health Regulations of 2005. Um, 527 to 528 is just amending it. But remember, Trump gave the World Health Organization the FU. Um, it's just amending it. AWC crane up. <laughs> it's just amending it. Oh, it's just amending it. What does that mean? Do you think, though, the amendments? And uh, did you did did you read the eighty-four page document of the IHR and the amendments, WC crane up, or did someone on a show dig into it for you? I wonder. Just curious. Oh. Tracy Lee, here I go with WC Crane Op. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is. Let, let me see what else is in the uh, the chat room about this. I'm so super curious, super curious. Uh, <laughs> Michigan is a hot mess, Java. Indeed, indeed. Uh, remember, yes, we remember that. Uh, uh, I just uh, like that GP number. Um, only power they really have is that we give them. Did they kick us out when Trump gave them the middle finger? Well, I don't know. Um, did all of us uh, stand up and resist against the CDC, which were following the World Health Organization's orders during the COVID-19 lockdowns, mask mandates, and forced vaccines? Because that's what's headed our way, legally speaking. W.C. Cranop with the amendments to the uh, International Health Regulations of 2005. We've covered them extensively. We've covered them twice in full here on the show and then once as a slap in the face to ignorant people. Um, go back, W.C. Cranop, to the C report. <laughs> go back to the C report. Uh, the latest one was, I think it was, no, it wasn't yesterday, right? It was, uh, it was on Tuesday. We went over the World Health Organization's International Health Regulations 2005 plus the amendments. Now, we covered the amendments back in, no, oh, I don't know, when was it? Uh, last week sometime. We covered the amendments that last week sometime. Um, but, but that was not enough for people to realize the severity of what the amendments 
provide to the World Health Organization in the event that they will vote yes to them. And this was episode 298 on Tuesday of last week was the first time we covered it. And we recovered it again on Tuesday of this week because people still think that nothing happens if they vote yes on these amendments. Well, you know what? The fact of the matter is, guys, they are going to vote yes on these amendments. The fact of the matter is there's no stopping it. They are going to vote yes in a most deafening, deafening eye to these amendments. Okay, that cannot be helped. All right. But from there, we have six months to course correct, okay? Now, this has been, this has become an international effort, ladies and gentlemen. It's become an international effort. Several people around this world, and I should not just say several, thousands of people around this world recognize the danger that their nation comes under if these amendments pass. And that is loss of sovereignty, unless you're someone who works over at uh, un, un, under Uncovered DC, you know, but regardless of biases or prudence, because prudence, I think, was the primary reason for such speculations of um, a security in the face of these amendments, ladies and gentlemen, Prudence, I would say, is exactly it's respectable. I can totally respect that. Just don't question other people's integrity, you know, in the process, right? Unless you got the goods to back it up, right? Exactly. That's what I say. You know, if you're going to... Well, wait, wait, what did they say? Aurelius Locke told me, well, you know, it's okay to, to, to stir the shit pot, but you got to lick the spoon. I was like, oh, I lick the spoon when I stir the pot. Don't you worry about it, Aurelius Locke. So... <laughs> Anyways, what is this on the screen? Okay, so anyways, moving aside from that, I recommend you go back and watch last Tuesday's episode of uh, the Sea Report, WC Crane Op. We genuinely do a deep dive into the IH art, 84 pages long, okay? Uh, I don't know if you read all of it, but it sounds like you did. And uh, and then we, uh, we talk about the amendments, all right? It is not, it's more than what it seems, okay? But it's not, um, how would you say? It's not what it doesn't seem. That, that probably makes absolutely no sense. But anyways, um, collusion, collision sounds like, um, I've seen that name before. Collusion, collision, you've been in my audience before. Welcome back. Um, collusion, collision wants to know how many years until you guys stop crying about 2020? Well, until we get it fixed, sweetheart. I mean, come on. Uh, it's not my fault that your type or your political party has absolutely no integrity or endurance for fixing shit that has gone wrong. Look at how you guys let G.W. Bush get away with the shit that he did, right? Look at how you let, uh, I don't know who else to use an excuse. We had two other Democrat presidents in the House since then. And if you are a Democrat or a left-leaning liberal, my friend, collusion, collision, then um, perhaps you could understand that you guys dropped the ball on Bush, you know? Because uh, it was pretty obvious that all of that shit was lies, right, with Bush, and that uh, he's a total war criminal. 
But you guys let that happen. But you guys don't have any integrity, okay? You guys just go along to get along. You guys just want. You guys just feel good as long as you're part of the in crowd, and as as long as you are okay with the pack, with the herd. As long as the general consensus, democratically speaking, the majority is okay with you as an individual and your viewpoints. Collusion, collision. You don't give a damn if there was fraud, if there was theft, if anything went wrong, if there was anything morally questionable. Because the point is, you just want to be accepted. Collusion, collision. So you know what? We're not going to stop until it gets finished. And just so you know, we're only in year number two, okay? We were hoping this would have been resolved already, but it hasn't been, but we're getting a lot closer. And if you don't believe so, then you haven't been in my audience long enough. And you obviously aren't paying attention to any of the inter independent headlines out there. And you obviously don't read. You just uh, listen to whatever it is that your friends and your family say and your bosses, and uh, you just listen to whatever the TV says. So, yeah. Do you have any other questions, Collusion Collision? All right. All right. As long as that is done, we can go ahead and uh, carry on with the rest of tonight's show. All right. Uh, let's see here. We're going to pull up the next. Why do we have this emblem on the screen? It is time to talk about the um, Election Assistance Commission, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. And I actually meant to pull up an article. No, wait, wait, wait. Before, I, before we go into this, I have to respond to this question. I mean, to this statement. Uh, W.C. Cranop says, the point is when somebody who does not like in power says no, Fuck Dem. Remember, nothing overrides the Constitution and my Second Amendment right. And, you know, I agree with uh, that statement to a point, W.C. Cranop. The part I don't agree with is that you're right. Donald Trump said F you to the WHO and nothing happened, right? And and he, he, he stripped them of funding, okay? He hurt them, okay? Now, imagine these amendments pass under the current administration, Okay, and then reflect upon everything that happened during COVID-19 with the lockdowns and mandates, the masks and the vaccines. Okay, wherein we as American citizens with the Constitution to back us up had to litigate, sue, use lawfare in order to regain the rights that we already have. It's totally unconstitutional, and I think everyone will agree, to have forced vaccinations. It's totally unconstitutional to lock down a country, destroy an economy, and strip landlords of their income. Totally unconstitutional. But did that stop this administration from doing that? Did, that st did, did your local representatives and senators stop that from happening? Did your federal representatives and senators stop that from happening? No. You had to sue for rights you already have because the CDC followed the WHO guidelines on COVID-19. So under this current administration, in this climate, with all of these rhinos and communists in office, do you really think that saying no to the WHO is going to do anything until years down the line when we win lawsuits to get our rights back under the Constitution that supposedly cannot be overrided by an international treaty that is legally binding? Okay, we lived through all of this. We should understand that, uh, yeah, we have our Second Amendment. 
And absolutely, guys, when the white hats and the blue hats come onto our shores, it's game off, game over, gloves off, let's do this, right? I mean, I might be throwing rocks at them, but... <laughs> I might be throwing rocks at them, but what I'm saying is, uh, yeah, then you're going to want to exercise your Second Amendment right, most likely, ladies. And you understand that. I understand that. It's understood. Doesn't need to be said, but it's true, right? The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From $0.99 cents per month to $4.99 per month to $9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. Let's move on to the Election Assistance Commission, guys, okay? Can we talk about this? Because I have been telling you guys... Okay, how many of you guys in my audience have I been telling this to? How many of you guys have I been telling this to? I've been telling you guys this for months, okay? For months. And all of you guys looked at me like I was crazy. All of you guys were silent in the audience with no response, okay? But I have been telling you, okay? And I'm gonna give credit to whom I learned this from in just a minute, but I've been telling you, not a single voting machine was certified in the 2020 election. Not one single machine was certified. Our easiest way to decertify this election without even having to go through litigation, without even having to prove that Dominion machines are fraudulent and that they are accessible to hackers and fraudsters, etc., and criminals, without even having to go through audits, without even having to go through recounts, all of the above that we have experienced up until the, without even having to go through 2,000 mules, this was the easiest course to decertification. None of the voting machines by law were certified for the 2020 election or the 2018 midterms, meaning that every single election contest since that point was null and void and we would have to return either to the election winners of 2016 or through other legal provisions, have stand-ins and have a re-election when the machines are certified. I've said this to you guys for months. Please don't make me feel crazy because I will go back and look for every episode that I said it and I will tell you, review episode 190-something, review episode 80-something, review episode 230-something. Okay, guys, because I have been saying this, all right? Now, most admittedly, and I admit this with absolutely no problem. I learned this from Tory Says 
over at ToriSays.com. She's the first person I heard talk about this. She brought to the attention of her audience that none of the voting machines were certified for the 2020 election. They had missed certification by two years. And not only did Tori and her audience know this, they, they actually filed lawsuits, not just Tori Morris, but her audience. She got her audience in multiplicate to file lawsuits about the EAC not having certified any of these um, any of these machines. Now I don't know what happened to that. It was called a quo warranto or something like that, which I really don't know a lot about. But this is where I learned it from. And so when I say I trust my sources and I don't cite sources because they're definitely not Pentagon people, they're definitely not White House people, they're not black hats or white hats. They are other news sources that maybe people don't look at or read and maybe people don't pay attention to, but I have always found them to be reliant. Now, I could also say the same thing about Alex Jones, but he's an operative, so I just choose not to pay attention to him. Uh, total operative, 100%. You know, I mean, how people still don't how people can think that they have some sort of, and you know, I'm not questioning, well, maybe I am questioning people's integrity, right? But maybe they just don't see it, right? Like some people don't see these WHO amendments as being a threat to the sovereignty of our nation in the event of an international health emergency, right? Okay, I get it. Some people just don't see it, whatever. But anyways, so yeah, sources, right? Okay, so um, I learned this bit of information about the voting machines from Tori Says well over a year ago. I mean, we're talking like I was just starting my show when she was talking and talking and talking about this stuff. I share this information on my show. It gains no traction whatsoever, which it's, it's whatever. It's what it is. I don't, you know, the point of the matter is I'm putting the information out there. You guys are going to do with it as you will. You're either going to act on it or you're going to take it as another afternoon entertainment from a guy who gets kind of erratic whenever he's on his show. But now the uh, mainstream alternative independents are talking about it. So the Gateway Pundit releases an article, a series of articles about the voting machines not being certified. And I will reiterate again before we get into this article that if these machines were not certified, every election prior to that certification's expiration, I mean, after that expiration um, of those um, elections are null and void. It's the easiest way to decertify. But with this information finally hitting the mainstream patriot circles, right? Finally hitting the mainstream America awake circles, the America first people, the people who on like, like say for example, who on platforms like Foxhole, right? Always show the gateway pundit, I don't watch their shows, so I don't know if they reported on this, and I'm just using the foxhole as an example. I'm not picking on any of my brothers and sisters on this platform by any means. No, okay? But I'm just saying, uh, in review, in review, everyone uses the Gateway Pundit as their main source, okay? Now the Gateway Pundit has put some truth out on in front of them. And I'm just like, did they report on this or are they making a big deal about this? Or does anyone realize that we could decertify 2020 now because of this information? I mean, it's that big and that important. It's all based in law. It's all lawful, right? 
So there are grounds to move forward on it. Well, now we're going to share the full story with you guys here on tonight's C report. And um, I'm going to say we got two more stories after this and we're done for the night. But let's get into this, guys. Let's get into this. Um, so this way you all can see what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, from the Gateway Pundit reporting on something that's already been known for over a year, but I guess no one knew about it or no one paid attention to it or I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they came across this information. Maybe it says it in the article. Let's find out. Uh, exclusive. Unless you're a member of Tory Says audience like over a year ago, based on a thorough review of election regulations, not a single voting system testing lab used in the 2020 election was accredited based on the law. Per a thorough review of election regulations, not a single election voting machine in the 2020 election was certified by an accredited voting machine company, according to United States law. The issue of whether United States voting machines and voting machine auditors were properly accredited leading up to and after the 2020 election has been previously addressed by the Gateway Pundit. We first addressed the issue when the Maricopa County leadership only wanted a certified auditor to perform an audit of their operations after the 2020 election in Arizona. The county selected two firms and TGP pointed out that the two firms elect selected were not properly certified at the time. This was despite statements by Maricopa County officials. Only hours after our report, the Election Assistance Commission suspiciously certified the two, per two firms we identified. This was the scope of the Gateway Pundit's reporting, okay? Just, just to stand, because I've been following this since before they ran that article. I remember, I told you guys about it back then as well, okay? But they said... The issue of whether U.S. voting machines and voting machines auditors were properly accredited leading up to and after the 2020 election has been previously addressed. The only time they addressed it was in Maricopa County during the 2020 election audit. That's the only time. And it was good. No, to their credit, to their credit. That was ammo for the auditors. That was ammo for the Senate. That was ammo against the um the fraudulency of the 2020 election but in maricopa county only okay it's the only time gateway pundit mentioned it they did not mention it to be nationwide okay tory says said it was state uh, it was nationwide okay not the gateway pundit but to their credit they pointed it out in maricopa county and the eac reacted accordingly reacted accordingly all right, so voting laws changed in the United States in 2002 after the 2000 election. The Help America Vote Act, otherwise known as the HAVA Act of 2002, was passed by the United States Congress to make sweeping reforms to the nation's voting process. HAVA addressed addresses improvements to voting systems and voter access that were identified following the 2000 election. 
HABA creates new mandatory minimum standards for states to follow in several key areas of election administration. The law provides funding to help states meet these new standards, replace voting systems, and improve election administration. HAVA also established the Election Assistance Commission to assist the states regarding HAVA compliance and to distribute HAVA funds to the states. EAC is also charged with creating voting systems guidelines and operating the federal government's first voting system certification program. HAVA directed the National Institute of Standards and Technology to support the EAC in its accreditation of laboratories. The Help America Vote Act of 2002 directs the National Institute of Standards and Technology to support the U.S. Election Assistance Commission in its accreditation of laboratories qualified to conduct the testing certification, decertification, and recertification of voting systems as provided under the Act. NIST processes for uh, carrying out this responsibility are as open and transparent as possible to facilitate the public's understanding of how laboratories that test voting systems are evaluated. When the NIST evaluates laboratories to assess whether they can be accredited or not, the NIST relies on the National Voluntary Laboratory Accreditation Program to determine competency. An on-site review of the lab is to take place and the lab is to just demonstrate competency in performing multiple tasks in a voting system review. The EAC and NIST work closely together when assessing and providing accreditation of voting systems labs that can test systems against federal standards. Section 231B of the Help America Vote Act of 2002 requires that the EAC provide for the accreditation and revocation of accreditation of independent non-federal laboratories qualified to test voting systems to federal standards. Generally, the EAC considers for accreditation those laboratories evaluated and recommended by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, pursuant to HAVA Sections 231B1. However, consistent with HAVA Section 231B2B, the Commission may also vote to accredit laboratories outside of those recommended by NIST upon publication of an explanation of the reason for any such accreditation. In order to meet its statutory requirements under HAVA subsection 15371B, the EAC has developed the EAC's Voting System Test Laboratory Accreditation Program. The procedural requirements of the program are established in the proposed information collection, the EAC Voting System Laboratory Accreditation Program Manual, although participation in the program is voluntary. Adherence to the program's procedural requirements is mandatory for participants. The procedural requirements of this manual will supersede any prior laboratory accreditation requirement issued by the EAC. This manual shall be read in conjunction with the EAC's Voting System Testing and Certification Program Manual. Just a bunch of uh, technical jargon there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Things that also are uh, penned under the rule of law, okay? The first manual mentioned in the paragraph above, the EAC Voting System Test Laboratory Accreditation Program Manual, says that the chair of the commission must sign off on the VSTLs. Now, that's the voting system test laboratories, something like that. Uh, They must sign off on the VSTLs accreditation 
and the accreditation shall not exceed two years, right? Certificate of accreditation. A certificate of accreditation shall be issued to each laboratory accredited by vote of the commissioners. The certificate shall be signed by the chair of the commission and state the name of the VSTL, the scope of accreditation by stating the federal standards or standards to which the VSTL is competent to test, the effective date of the certification, which shall not exceed a period of two years, and the technical standards to which the laboratory was accredited. The manual also states that VSTLs must renew their accreditation timely every two years. Expiration and renewal of accreditation. A grant of accreditation is valid for a period not to exceed two years. A VSTL's accreditation expires on the date annotated on the certificate of accreditation. VSTLs in good standing shall renew their accreditation by submitting an application package to the program director, consistent with the procedures of section 3.4 of this chapter, no earlier than 60 days before the accreditation expiration date and no later than 30 days before that date. Laboratories that timely file the renewal application package shall retain their accreditation while the review and processing of their application is pending. VSTLs in good standings shall also retain their accreditation should circumstances leave the EAC without a quorum to conduct the vote required under Section 3.55.5.5. Looking back at the accreditation process for the voting systems uh, test laboratory, that's the VSTL, voting systems test laboratories, used in Maricopa County, noted a year ago, the labs selected were not accredited when selected by the county, ProVNV, and SLI. Per the EAC's website, these are the only two voting systems test laboratories accredited today, ProVNV and SLI. Okay, the letter the EAC provided on its site, as noted in our article above, still was not an accreditation of ProVNV. It was an excuse letter for why the EAC had not accredited these VSTLs. The EAC they ha- claimed they had not accredited ProVNV because of COVID. Here's that letter. ProVNV has completed all requirements to remain in good standing with the EAC's testing and certification program per Section 3.8 of the VSTL Manual Version 2.0. Due to the outstanding circumstances posed by COVID-19, the renewal process for EAC laboratories has been delayed for an extended period um, with, while this process continues. ProVNV retains its EAC VSTL accreditation. A couple of days after the letter above was provided online, ProVNV and SLI were given their accreditation. See ProVNV's accreditation below. Okay? So here you go. There is a copy of the document. Now keep in mind, ProVNV and SLI are the only two VSTLs in this nation that can certify their elections, which means... The Gateway Pundit just figured something out by gosh by golly. 
if these two um, if these two VSTL laboratories were not certified for Arizona, they were not certified for any other damn state in this God-blessed nation. Okay? All right. So there you go, guys. All right. I mean, it's as plain as the paper that this certificate was printed on. Decertification is absolutely possible down this path. It took the rest of us about, I don't know, a year and a half later to figure it out. Some people were on the ball about this a long time ago. Ladies and gentlemen, mm -hmm. here's their other one, right? Not, not certified until February 1st, 2021. That's well after November 3rd, 2020, if you ask me, right? And uh, I don't know, midterms 2018. These documents have multiple issues with them indicating they are still not in compliance with laws and guidelines. Oh, really? What's that? So see the effective date of the certification, which shall not exceed a period of two years. Original accreditation date issued was February 28th, 2007. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. Um, well... Uh, it seems like that one's pretty overdue. Okay, continuing review of the National Institute of Standards and Technology, approval of commission required by revocation. Wow, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so, uh, and this one has a lot wrong with it, apparently. Uh, let's see here. Uh, grant of accreditation upon a vote of the AC commissioners to credit a laboratory. Uh, the testing certification program director shall inform the laboratory of the decision issue a certificate of accreditation and post information. Okay, this one is also dated February 1st, 2021. The original accreditation date was uh, February 24th, 2015. So this one expired in 2017. The midterms, no good. 2020, no good. 2021 and forward, oh, it's all good. I mean, guys, the proof is right here in your face, okay? They were accredited in February of 2021. They were last accredited in 2015. Two years past that date is 2017, right? If you add the money, the time, the patience, and the wherewithal to make a lawsuit, I don't see why you couldn't. Because clearly, the elections in 2018 and in 2020 should be rendered null and void, which means every single person who was elected to office should be gone which sounds like it would be very chaotic, right? And it, it could be, you know, uh, there, there are like, there are provisions as, um, what's the word, archaic as they might be, but there are provisions to take care of this stuff, you know, but otherwise I would say just revert every position in the state. How, I mean, we're talking like, we're talking the president, vice president, the Senate, the Congress. We're talking state houses, commissioners. We're talking every single contest that has happened since 2016 that needs to be rendered null and void. Is that too big of a mouthful to chew on and swallow and digest? Is that too big of a feat to undertake? I don't know. What do you guys think? You guys went silent after I started harassing the audience. <laughs> Jeez Louise, guys. I mean, 
I told you, don't just believe me because the Gateway Pundit says it now, please. Just because other content creators are now sharing the story, if at all. Anyhow, okay, let's go. Let's finish this up, guys. The night has become long. These documents have multiple issues. Okay, so it says these accreditations were not signed by the chair of the commission. These letters were signed by an EAC executive director, Mona Harrington. The chair is Thomas Hicks. Mona Harrington has never been a commissioner. EAC's commissioners, Thomas Hicks and Christy McCormick, were sworn in January 13, 2015 as EAC commissioners following their nomination by President Barack H. Obama. And a unanimous confirmation by the U.S. Senate, Benjamin Hovland and Donald Palmer were sworn in on February 4, 2019 as EAC commissioners following their nomination by President Donald Trump and unanimous confirmation by the U.S. Senate. So there are your commissioners, Thomas Hicks, Christy McCormick, Benjamin W. Hovland and Donald L. Palmer. These accreditations should not exceed two years, and yet the EAC omits any effective through date in these documents. This date is not required by law, but does indicate when the accreditation lapses. So you would only have to know the law to know by reading these certificates whether or not they were still valid. Okay. The EAC identifies the original accreditation on these documents. In doing this, the EAC admits that these VSTLs were out of compliance up to these documents being initiated. ProVNV was last accredited through February 2017 and SLI was accredited through January 10th, 2021. But SLI's accreditation was for a three-year term. And it can only be for two years, according to the HAVA Act. And that document was not signed by the commission chairman, both of which are required. This means that no VSTL voting systems test laboratory were properly accredited for the 2020 presidential election on November 3, 2020. Insane, guys. Insane. Signed by Brian Newby, Executive Director of U.S. Elections Assistant Commission, which is not a commissioner. It is an executive director. Invalid. Not following the law. Invalid. Okay. Easiest way to decertify 2020 has always been this way, guys. This has always been the easiest path. But you know what? I guess we don't believe in uh, Occam's razor anymore, right? Uh, we want to do things the hard way. We got to be shown, not told. But you know what? I would have to say that, I mean, it's a good thing, right? We learned everything that we learned about with the various ways that they commit fraud in our elections. That's a silver lining. That's your Garland Favorito moment. We learned exactly how deep this uh, cord of deception and treason runs in our state houses and in our uh, Capitol Hill, right? We learned exactly who is going to fight for the cause and who is not. We've learned a lot of things. So you know what? Maybe it shouldn't have been this way. Maybe everyone should have just kept on ignoring Tory says, right? Because she offered this up like the day after the election, guys. Anyways, um, that's not the point here. The point of the matter is we understand it now. And maybe now 
that we have all of this evidence and we have all of this, um, all of this uh, proof that's been mustered up through our investigations and through our explorations and through our audits, we can just use this to seal the deal, right? 2,000 mules brought us all of, in real life, trafficking of ballots beyond a shadow of a doubt. Our investigations and our audits prove that the Dominion machines are hackable and susceptible to fraud, and the EAC lack of accreditation will just make it so much easier to decertify. Now we just need the golden lawsuit to include all of these elements together for the judge to review, and hopefully he's not or she's not corrupt. Anyhow, so um, uh, this talks about the rest of the points on the accreditation that makes it false, okay? Now, this is actually a two-part article, um, so I can't imagine what else they have to write about. Um, see, they talk about Pro-V and V and um, SLI as being unaccredited. They are accredited today, so they will be uh, doing the correct, proper, lawful job uh, on our elections currently, but they weren't. So let's look, at, uh, let's look at part two real quick. And ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna wrap it up after part two, guys. I had more stories in store for you guys for tonight. I apologize, we will have to, um, we will have to cover them tomorrow. We're already at the top of hour three, okay? So we're going to have to call it an evening after this story. Thanks again for hanging out at the Sea Report. I hope I have not been too demanding of my audience tonight. Uh, and I appreciate your grace, your presence, your patience with me. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys being here. I really do. You guys could be anywhere else in the world right now. Uh-huh, right? Okay. Um, appreciate, uh, uh, pass it forward, right? Pass it forward, you, never mind. Okay, so uh, let's see here. This is part two of uh, voting system testing labs used in the 2020 elections. And uh, of course they were not accredited at the time. So let's see here. Where can we pick up that it's not redundant? Okay. There's at least one other VSTL used as the accredited VSTL for the voting systems. This VSTL has actually never been accredited according to the law. Okay, so we're going to get specific. In the state of Missouri, in at least one jurisdiction, St. Charles County, where there is a VSTL that has never been accredited that is claimed to have certified voting systems in the state, while Laboratories was accredited in May of 2010 for a two-term, two-year term, effective through April 2012. All of my audience from Missouri, pay attention. There's no evidence that Wild Labs was accredited at any time after that. So we're going to get to a, this is their Maricopa County moment. So good job, Gateway Pundit, bringing us information that no one else is bringing us. Then, in 2014, while Labs was purchased by National Technical Systems, a letter was sent to the EAC notifying them of the purchase. But remember, at this time, Wyland was no longer accredited for certifying voting systems and had not been since 2012. U.S. Election Assistance Commission, that's a copy of the receipt there. But in 2015, NTS went on and performed a certification review of Unison Voting Solutions, OVS 1.3. Reminder, at this time in 2015, while had not been accredited since 2012, and NTS had never been accredited by the EAC. 
In March of 2017, the NTS withdrew its accreditation from the EAC for being an independent BSTL. There's a copy on my father's birthday, interestingly enough, in 2017. Uh, to whom it may concern, this letter serves as the official notification to EAC that NTS is voluntarily withdrawing from the role and responsibility as an independent voting system lab as accredited by the EAC. So, there you go. In April, EAC acknowledged the receipt of the letter from NTS announcing its intent to voluntarily withdraw from being a BSTL. NTS never was accredited by the EAC. While Labs was not accredited since 2012, the other two BSTLs active today, ProVNB and SLI, were not properly accredited as the 2020 election and still are not properly accredited today. Some might argue that the BSTLs that were accredited in the past never lost their accreditation. Their accreditation was never revoked. Yes, their accreditation may have never been revoked, but they were not accredited at the time because their accreditation had lapsed. These same individuals might use a paragraph in the law about accreditation to claim these VSTLs were still accredited, but they are taking the law out of context, as was explained in the previous article. It comes down to this. Any voting machine certifications or audits performed by VSTLs when they were not accredited according to the law were not valid, period because they were not performed by VSTLs accredited according to the law. And I am sure everyone in my audience will agree that this is still a what? A constitutional republic, which means we abide by the rule of law, which means even though that means that we have to go through years and years of litigation before we get our justice served, at least we know every nook and cranny was overturned and that we are not wrongfully sentencing someone to death unless you have a corrupt jurisdiction presiding over your case. So say I Amen. We are done for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Sea Report. It was supposed to be a report that uh, spanned many topics, but somehow we ended up only discussing election-related topics. Again, the most important. Again, the most primary for the reason that without secure elections... We will forever experience what we are experiencing today, and that is the total ruination of our nation. That is the total destruction of our republic. That is the total dissemination of our constitution. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, a corrupt and illegitimate administration like we have in power today will gladly hand over the sovereignty of our nation in the face of a an international health emergency, just like they will continue to destroy our economy, our way of life, as they will continue to divide us so they can conquer us. Ladies and gentlemen, the elections, our vote is more than our voice. It is more than our choice. It is symbolic of our freedom and our liberty and everything this country stands for without a secured vote. We have nothing else to stand on 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in again tonight. Join me over at Truth Social at MRCTV. Also at Gab at MR underscore CTV. We'll be back in the studio tomorrow for our Friday report. We've got a lot of things coming on, ladies and gentlemen, over here at Mr. CTV. If you're following us over at, or if you're watching us over at Twitch or at uh, Rumble or Cloud Hub, make sure you follow us. Please give us a thumbs up. Please give us a like. Please subscribe. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, as we say here, and thank you, WC Cranop, for the 777. Love that number. Gold pills. I truly wonder if we do get rid of the swamp, if what replaces them will truly be different. WC Cranop. When we get on the other side of that mountain, I cannot wait to see your face at the prize that we have earned in restoring this republic. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope to be there with you, WC. You and speak, my brothers who just tend to be a little bit pragmatic, too much for my taste respected and loved both of you guys always and forever and to the rest of you viewers out there you're special too <laughs> as always be safe be blessed and god bless america we ain't finished yet but we ain't gonna give up either we'll see you tomorrow have a great night till then be safe love you and god bless